story in all of Reddit was about the the person leading the next Olympic Games or one of the commissioners from the IOC um, is now exposed corruption with China now because the next game is in China in 2022 for the Winter Games. And one of the commissioners of the IOC is now being exposed for corruption in China. And, it, and then people, it was, like I said, the biggest, the biggest link in all of Reddit about 14 hours ago when I was there. And then people started saying, oh, what an interesting coincidence that this cam comes to light just hours after the Tokyo Games ends. And we're already drumming up, you know, reasons to boycott the Beijing 22 games. And this was this was slightly predicted. In fact, it's predicted by Peter Zaihan, who you hear me talk about often, who to me is like, the you know, the most uh, has the best track record for predicting things. So I'm fascinated with his predictions. And he says, yeah, this is, he he predicts that there will be uh, a boycott by, um, you know, people in inside of America. It's a question of how many and, and who um, and the scale is unknown currently. But he predicts if America does kind of as a, as a country boycott the Beijing games, um, that Beijing in turn will uh, like take over American businesses in China. Like your businesses are no longer, you know, your your employees at these business. It, by the way, Cuba did the same thing when, back when the people don't that didn't study the Cuban Revolution. Essentially, Castro took over the Shell Oil Company. In it started with the banks, actually, that the banks, he said, no, now the banks are Cuban banks. They're no longer American banks. And Americans are like, say what? <laughs> and then the then the oil companies, oh, Shell Dutch. Oh, that's nice. Thank you for your oil refinery. We'll use that very much. Actually, that's what it was, was Cuba had bought a bunch of oil from the Soviets and wanted to refine it in Cuba using the Dutch refineries, Dutch Shell Oil. And Dutch said, no, you can't use our refineries to refine this, you know, Russian oil. He says, of course I can. It's on my soil. And you're going to refine this oil for us, you know, because you wouldn't sell it to us. So we're going to, we bought it from the Russians. We're going to refine it here. Dutch said, no. Okay, well, then we're taking over the refineries. Thank you very much. And that's what caught the attention of the Americans that this guy Castro, who took over, they already had their eye out for him. But then, um, you know, that, that was kind of a declaration of war led to the Bay of Pigs. Castro and Shea managed to fight off the Americans at the Bay of Pigs. And then they took over the banks and the hotels and everything else, the Hilton Hotel, which became the Libre Hotel and all, all of that. So, um, yeah, that's that can be what happens. We've seen it historically where, you know, when things get really sour, then all of a sudden all of your uh corporate interests in that country become nationalized by your you know the country there and peter zahan said that if we boycott the games it's likely that china will reciprocate by nationalizing any american interests on chinese soil which that would be wild um not i'm, I'm curious who has the most exposure to china though at this point so Will be interesting to see, and that relate. That's when when I saw the headline yesterday, because he's been predicting that for a few weeks now, that this Beijing twenty twenty two Winter Games 
how to what degree will American and its allies and who inside will be um, boycotting and who's going to be most vocal in leading this. There will be there will be efforts to try to boycott it. The question is, who's going to be pushing them and to what degree and to what degree will people follow that? And will the state itself formally uh, officially adopt that policy? And if so, how will China respond? And he says, and his prediction is, if America does, uh, as a state, boycott it, will uh, he believes China will reciprocate by nationalizing China, American business interests in China? That's the summary. And Tyler, what's interesting about 2022, the American casino companies that have casinos in Macau, as well as the Australian, you know, um, all the concessions in Macau are up, are up for renewal in 2022. Oh, interesting. So they, they're going to, they would potentially lose their uh, holdings there anyways, I guess. They're, that's, is that like a hundred year lease or something? No, 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 not, not even close. Uh, they, they got them in the mid nineties. I, th- okay. I think it was like a 10 or 15 years. They've extended it because they, they already right. should have dealt with the renewals. Most likely what most people had expected is what Singapore did. Singapore, where there's, uh, you know, Sheldon Adelson had a, the late Sheldon Adelson, his company, had a, uh, has a casino in Singapore. And the other one is owned by uh, Genting from Malaysia. And um, all they did was when their stuff was up for renewal, they just raised the taxes on him. They said, basically, you have to pay a higher tax because we didn't realize how lucrative, you know, lucrative this was. And you have to make some more capital investments in non-casino assets, you know, more entertainment or conventions or whatever. So that's what they're doing in, in Singapore. And people thought maybe that's what happened would happen in Macau. Uh, Las Vegas Sands, which is Sheldon's, you know, was Sheldon's company, which is still in existence, um, is um, they, they've actually put a lot of money into Macau in the last two years trying to, you know, look good to the uh, Chinese. So apparently I'm reading. Since, wait, wait, since you mentioned Singapore today, is Singapore's 56th birthday, the national day today. Okay, so sing a song, Tyler. To who? To Singapore. I I don't speak I don't speak what a, a Singaporean or I don't know any Singapore songs unfortunately. So apparently Nancy Pelosi has already called for a boycott on the on the Beijing Games. That's the headline from Reddit. Um. So, yeah, it's gonna get crazy. P- Pelosi calls you know- this. This is being reported from Reuters. It says, hold on a second here. Uh, Pelosi, yeah, Roy, it's the headline from Reuters, but this is uh, not breaking news. Pelosi calls for U.S. and world leaders to boycott China's 20, 2022 Olympics. U.S. House of Representatives, by the way, for the non-Americans, Pelosi is one of the top 10 most powerful people in American politics, maybe even top five. Uh, U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Tuesday called for U.S. diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, criticizing China for human rights abuses and saying global leaders who attend will lose their moral authority. So, sorry, go ahead. Was that Lakeisha? Oh, it it was me. It was me. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, this these games have been political for like everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Sochi Olympics was uh, in Russia was awful. Like everybody, almost Russian athletes couldn't compete this time around because of the doping and other things. And the Qatar, you know, the FIFA World Cup, my goodness, how many powerful people uh, came down with that corruption, you know. Uh, but still, the games are still uh, being scheduled to go ahead in 2022. Yes. So these are, yeah, a, a, a lot political, right? But we'll see, we'll see how uh, how other countries will get involved in it um, and, and who will fall down for it. But yeah. Yeah, of course, it's still scheduled. The problem is, is if America boycotts it and asks its allies to boycott it, then <laughs> that, that will be unprecedented. Um, and then this charge that the IOC, one of the the chair people on the IOC, uh, the International Olympic Committee, is now being accused of corruption with China. Um, it, essentially, his personal um, foundation was receiving funding from China. And it, this is where it could get really messy really quickly if they're not really careful. Uh, so, yeah. There's, there's already, I'm just, there's already a ton of headlines in the past couple days. I was, here's, here's just a bunch. Uh, um, France 24, the biggest outlet in France says, uh, Tokyo hands Olympic baton to Beijing, but virus and boycott calls way. And indeed the, the virus is now starting to spread in multiple provinces across China. And that's a headline we're going to get into, which is China's cracking, already punishing many of the leaders of the provinces where it has spread, especially Nanjing, where it was brought into China through the airport on a Russian flight. Um, and so if they if they aren't able to control COVID, which they're going to have a really hard time controlling Delta because it doesn't it's not easily controllable like Alpha was, as everyone in Asia understands this ties more than anyone um boy are they gonna have their hand because it's not that far away right i mean we're it's one year away so they've got they've got i don't know nine months to get it fully under control delta and hope you know it's really yeah really interesting tyler i was actually meeting with one of my advisees this morning who happens to be chinese and stuck in china and um um he you know told me that delta is spreading but in, you know, in these minor cities, I don't know what the outbreak is in the larger cities. If one person is, you know, diagnosed with it, they shut the city down. So he, right. you know, he commented and he was in Thailand last year when COVID first hit, yep. but he commented on how strong the government has been in controlling the spread of Delta over the past, you know, couple of months since it started to oh, yeah. spread in Asia. Yeah, it's no joke. I mean, I, and I, you got to kind of admire that. Um, I want to find the article. It's in my list of tabs that I'm scrolling through at the moment of their. Here it is from Bloomberg. The headline reads, China punishes dozens of officials as Delta outbreak spreads. More than 30 officials disciplined for mishandling the virus variant persist. Persistent spread tests China's COVID zero strategy. China has punished a slew of officials for failing to curb a COVID-19 outbreak that spawned nearly 900 symptomatic infections across the country in less than a month, a resurgence that complicates Beijing's strategy of keeping the virus out entirely and, of course, jeopardizes the Olympic Games in Beijing starting um, 
in i guess 11 11 is no it's the winter games 2022 so when when is the date for that set to start let's figure that out 2022 i think it'll probably be may uh february january february so this this coming february a few months later i think 2022 yeah this coming this coming february would be 2022 yeah coming yeah coming so you got august september october november december so in six months it starts february 4th um february 4th february 20th that's when it is so it starts in six months so that gives them oh then they're gonna they're likely gonna have to cancel the games now due to delta I just I just heard actually on CNN before coming to work this morning, and then they were talking about that how China is actually uh, prepared and ready way before um, uh, before time. They said even as of today, they're ready with the uh, venues and things like that. Yeah, of course the venues are ready. That's not the issue. The issue is the virus. (laughs) They're 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 not ready with the virus. That's what matters. In fact, they were saying if Tokyo Olympic was post i mean cancer then they have a good reason to do so but if tokyo olympic is i mean 2020 is just done and over right so they have no legit reason to do it but um i think the only worry is because most of the people there even when they're vaccinated they're vaccinated with the chinese vaccine right right yeah that's part of the problem well let's explain this and lakeisha and i can tell you firsthand thailand got sinovac first it was given all the medical professionals uh, first and used in China. Now, Th- Thailand has made it illegal to bring in Sinovac now. That's how ineffective Crazy. Sinovac is here. That's how, how that's how pointless Sinovac is against Delta, is we're now making it... The, the court has told the government you cannot bring Sinovac in anymore. It's useless. It's a waste of time and money. Our people are dying. Everyone who got Sinovac is dying. Stop with the nonsense. That's what the highest court in Thailand has ruled. So just to give you just to give you a heads up of what China can expect because they're using Sinovac. Hey, hey Tyler, leaving aside COVID, you know the last time the United States boycotted an Olympics was 1980 when because uh, it was in Moscow and we were uh, we were supposedly upset because they had invaded Afghanistan. We didn't really get anything accomplished by boycotting the Olympics, and not not to mention, by the way. In my own view, I think the United States, we would have been better off if Russia won that war, if the Soviets won that war. We probably wouldn't have had 9-11. So, you know. I I think they may have also heard what Tyler say, that the Chinese can take this opportunity to take uh, all the DNA of the athletes. Maybe they are afraid to That was my kind of a a funny joke, I guess. but it sounds more and more logical well, the more we but there's no question like if when people are coming in by the way i found a headline yesterday that qatar was has now been exposed that they were doing dna testing of all of their own citizens and every visitor through their airports like and they they got caught exposed but it's i've heard from friends who are in the in the space of doing DNA testing, that many countries are aware that other countries are doing it, so they all feel like they're going to be have a disadvantage if they don't do it themselves. And it's kind of this, in the same way that countries want to nuclearize because their you know their and their neighbors or or rivals have it, they feel the need to build da- DNA databases. And so my point is is. China's actually in the New York Times has reported that uh, uh, China's doing DNA databases. So this is not my 
theory, this is the New York Times. Take that for what it's worth. They're not always correct, mind you. Guys, I'm sure FBI has a database. I'm sure Singapore has a database. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's more for policy. I mean, right, right, right. right. Just in case the point is, is when yeah. Olympic athletes come in, uh, that's very interesting DNA uh, to study. And by the way, um, when we had the health newsroom yesterday, or and depending on your where what time zone you're in, about 14 hours ago, Dr. Donish shared a headline, uh, and this is truly wild. Let me pull this up. It's in the Tech News Twitter account right now. It was like the, the tweet we did five tweets ago at TNATW, so just twitter.com slash TNATW, or, and then the, the headline reads, um, Mass Resignations at Scientific Journal over Ethically Fraught Chinese Genetic Papers. And check this. This is a wild article. So I'm just going to give you a little taste of it. It says mass resignations at scientific journal over ethically fraught China genetics papers. This and here's the the quote is in the headline. It's the subheadline. It says this situation is creating a shameful embarrassment that reflects poorly on all medical genetics journals on the entire medical genetics community. And what happened is China is submitting papers. Uh, to the leading medical journals, which is Wiley. And the papers are about the genetic differences between Uyghurs and Tibetans and ethnically Han Chinese. And this is driving the medical, the genetic community a bit uh, crazy, such that the several of the board members Eight members of the editorial board of the scientific journal have resigned after it published a slew of controversial papers that critics fear could be used for DNA profiling and persecution of ethnic minorities in China. The, which means obviously they're not only are they genetically sampling them, they're coming to conclusions based on the data. That's the you know the the worrying next step. Of course, it's one thing to build the database; it's another thing to start saying, ah, based on this data, <laughs> this and this and this is going to happen. And that's why these eight members of this editorial board of one of the most prestigious um, medical journals are resigning because somebody foolishly published this research. So it says the journal, the Molecular Genetics and Genomic Medicine, is the latest to get caught up in a controversy involving ethically fraught research. And... It, it shows that the journal's editor-in-chief has been slow to respond to queries about the papers which involve research on Tibetans and Uyghurs among the ethnic groups and were first brought to her attention in March. The journal is published by Wiley, a multinational company based in New Jersey, is one of the world's most premier scientific publishers. Studies involving DNA profiling, facial recognition, and organ transplantation have sparked con their publishing <laughs> studies about organ transplantation from Uyghurs and Tibetans. Oh boy. As was, as has been rumored for a very long time that they're forced doing forced organ harvesting of Uyghurs, by the way. So this is not, uh, this is not, these are the receipts. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they're publishing their own receipts saying, here's the research of, you know, uh, organ transplant. <laughs> I know. But anyway, this is the first time that so many members of the board's editorial journal, eight of 25, have resigned in response to such an issue. The papers were flagged by Yves Moreau, a bioinformatician at the University of Leuven in Belgium, who over the past few years has waged a tireless campaign to get journals to retract troubling or unethical papers. 
His quest began in 2015 when Kuwait announced plans for compulsory collection of, so my apologies, it, it wasn't Qatar, it was Kuwait. Uh, so when Kuwait announced its plans for compulsory collection of DNA from all citizens, residents, and visitors, he helped spearhead an international campaign against the, the law and won an early victory when it was overturned the following year. He became convinc- convicted. Oh, he became convicted. Cal Patel in the room. Oh, wow. Who, Cal, oh, come home. Cal Paddle. I've heard of him. I've heard of this guy. Has anyone seen this guy before? You, got, you guys are just... Oh, please don't mod me, man. Please don't. I'm, I'm going away. I'm like... I came for two seconds. I came for two seconds, man. Does he have a bio? Is he a potential? No. Is he a, is he a troll? He's got a few followers. Yeah. Is he a is he the real one? You guys, just be just be honest, Cal. You you pocket you pocket you know, this, huh? This is a is this a bot? Yeah. What's going on? You guys want to oh, know what actually happened? Thing? It sounds like the real thing. Yeah, yeah, I just no. I'm leaving, man. I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's give you. <laughs> you can't do this to me. Yeah. So here's what happened, guys. The, there's a I follow the Twitter chat like you know people are just chatting about stuff and man these guys pull me in it's like it's like so much FOMO we're just talking about something hey, and, He's not and even then uh, and then and then they put all these gifts and Cheryl knows me too well she's like here's the link here's the link here's the link <laughs> it's like what the heck here's stay the link strong, Cal. stay strong and then Heyman who's not here by the looks of it but he he kind of sent something that was like tick tock tick tock and he had like a little uh you know, oh gosh. But anyway, you guys, you're doing. We'll just give you. Doing an, well. Here's what you missed, Cal. America won the Olympics. That's all you need to know. Yeah, by one goal. I wanted to come back and tell Cheryl that, man. Breaking news. I wanted to like come back and just mention, and even the gold on the yeah. goals by one. Yeah. Yes. But, but by Cal, one. I'm just happy that Japan won baseball. <laughs> hey, I'm impressed with. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. You got, yeah, I knew you would do that. Good. But, yeah. yeah, no, I, I was surprising, right? No, or maybe. How's vacation yeah. going? Yeah, 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 very, very. Hey, happy it's pretty good, man. Very good. Hey, yeah. very, very good. Family good. in really good shape. Good. Anushka's come back from Dyson. Yeah, so, thanks a lot. So, Sorry for interrupting. No, no, no. I'm, so we've I'm got. Gonna leave soon. We've, I'm gonna leave no, soon. no, no. I know we know you are. So it's been one week without the Cal factor, and. Thing, we're we're chugging you, along. You guys don't need me. You don't need. No, me. no, no. It's, it's not Tyler's a brand. No, no, no. Tyler's the brand, man. It's a brand. Mention your name every day, but just uh, Tyler almost forgot how to pronounce your name. Yeah, when we see these tweets from someone named Cal Paddle, we were trying to figure out if, if who it <laughs> Cal is. Paddle. Yeah. We pour one out for the homie every yeah. day. Yeah. And no then, problem. but it's yeah. been one week. We've got at least one more week, maybe two, without the Cal factor. More, man. And and more, man. you know we're we're eagerly like awaiting your return. So. Uh, no, hey, listen, it's fun. Hey, hey, it's fun. Do do take time off with your kids. I'm telling you yeah. one thing, uh, because they grow up. Shit, they grow up. Yeah, like 20 and 16. Yep. I know everyone knows this on this stage, but yeah, well worth it, man. And this stuff will continue, right? Yeah, yeah. Brands. I mean, like, yeah, this, you know, and and uh, so yeah, that's one thing I've learned. Just uh, anyway, hey, listen, I'm gonna leave soon. Okay. I'll listen to one more story. Okay. I'm still a de- <laughs> okay. Let him be a good one, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, better be a good one. Well, Cal, what's your favorite one you want to share? I, I have been reading the news, man. Like, I can't get in on this. I've been following some of the uh, uh, the uh, the China stuff, of course, around the investments and stuff. But 
other than that, um, yeah, let me just see what you got. So on the birth, just... it turns out it's the birth rate. I think you already knew that. Ray Dalio, one of the biggest investors in the world and one of the biggest investors in China, came out to correct Bloomberg and TechCrunch and others. He felt compelled to go on CNBC to let everyone know it's about the birth rate, which we were screaming about here. And now that they're cracking down on the price of um, uh, milk powder and uh, baby formula, that's all you need to know that it's about the birth rate when it comes to the education crackdown. It's it's a separate issue than the nationalization of the data. Oh, and by the way, I've got a headline that Cal, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate coming by for this one. I watched um, my friends from the All In podcast, of course, we're talking about the China crackdown. And like everyone else, they don't understand it's about the birth rate. That's OK, because they don't have friends on the ground there. That's fine. That's one of the benefits. Yeah, of, I saw that. I yeah. saw that. that. Even Chamath, he put a nice summary he, to it. Yeah, like, you know, very much. Uh, but he didn't bring in the birth rate correct. at all. Correct. Because they yeah. don't know because they don't have any friends there. So and, and we wouldn't either if we didn't have David Chang, in all fairness. And it's, you know, due to the nature of tech news around the world, we're able to find out more than nearly any other news source because we've got people from all over the planet geographically and professionally who can fill us in on what's going on on the ground and it's always different than the headlines say so i don't fault you know chamath and david and and jason are brilliant but if you don't have people on the ground that's what this room is about and that's what gives us the unique unfair advantage and that's why when i'm listening to the podcast i'm like i gotta ping jason and let him know they're just fundamentally missing what's going on. Thankfully, Ray Dalio jumps on CNBC to let people know because he's invested tens of billions of dollars in China. He just wrote a book about China. He knows China. He's been investing billions in China every year for over a decade. So my point is on Didi, I learned something new as well from someone on the ground. Somebody from China was listening to the All In podcast, like Ray Dalio, felt compelled to to make his own video response on YouTube to let them know that they're missing out on the local perspective, which is in the case of Didi. This is interesting, Cal. We were trying to figure out why is the government so hot on Didi's data, right? It was, it's very clear. They're, they're, they're all up into Didi's data. Why are they so concerned about Didi's data, right? We couldn't figure it out. Yeah, it is yeah, geodata. We yeah. Turns out Didi put cam, Didi, uh, there was a rape in a couple years ago in inside of a DD ride. After that, DD made it a requirement to put cameras inside of all the cars. Chinese government officials traditionally use DD. All those rides and conversations are recorded in their data silos. Now you know why China's worried about DD's data. That's China. That's what Cheryl just said Someone. in Japanese. Uh, there you go. <laughs> now we know. That's the Japanese phrase for uh, "oh, there it is." So yeah, you—that's the kind of insight you don't get unless you're right. The thing. Unless you're. But I mean, just so that yeah, I mean, just just so that when people are, when when you just mentioned the the the, the all in podcast, right? So I've been catching up on some podcasts, right. and that's a pretty good one, right? Uh, I've been catching up on some of the ones that Dan's been mentioning. Even my friend Dan is still a friend. You know, I like him. Uh, even though I, I like to be a bit more optimistic about things. Uh, but anyway, I've been re reading uh, some of those. So it's very good to see some of those. But one one of the things, you know, Chamath very clearly is such a clear speaker yeah. and a clear articulator Awful. of thought. Right. Yes. But he, he articulates it. But he 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 doesn't have the insight locally. Right. It's so interesting that you said that. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yep. Like, uh, you know, and even my like just just knowing people in China and, and just having been there, it's. 
there has to be something deeper than, hey, uh, state capitalism, which was there when we first went there with, with Best Buy, right? We, we knew that it was about the, 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 the government running the companies. That was like, you know, insight from 10 years ago, because that, that's just how it works. That's how China works. But there was something more underneath this one with the timing, et cetera, which, which uh, got pulled out by uh, the, our discussions here. So, I, yeah, you know, that's another reason why, you know, I, it's so hard not to have FOMO on, on these broader discussions with, the, you know, all these smart people on the, on, on, on the discussion. Yeah, I mean. Because uh, very few formats have that. Yeah, we had Monica come in here and tell us about the central bank digital currency with India, why they were cracking down on Bitcoin. No journalist anywhere outside of India knew why India is cracking down on Bitcoin. Somebody comes in. Oh, yeah, I just spoke to my friends at the central bank. They're planning a central bank digital currency. What? Like, you just you don't get this without the people on the ground. If something happens in Japan and we got Tomoko and Cheryl there, if something happens in the U.S. And by the way, being an American living in Asia and working in Europe for over a decade, I'm constantly explaining what's really going on in America in a way that Europeans just fundamentally misunderstand, despite the fact that they've got awesome press all over Europe. But if you don't have the local American perspective of why the two parties do this bizarre dance that they do with each other, if you're not weren't didn't grow up in it and, you know, you're just going to not have the cultural context, which is, oftentimes is what's driving a lot of uh, the behaviors. So relax. Good, good. Thank you for popping by, Cal. Do please yeah, chill. I'm going to chill for please a few do, minutes here. And just, please uh, do your weekly, do your weekly yeah. pop in so we can kind of share yeah, with yeah. you the big reveal. And the big story perhaps in the next week is I'm predicting there's going to be this big uh, bait. Now that there's COVID in China, nine provinces, the leaders are being punished for letting it spread because their winter game starts in six months in February. And they've got over 200 cases of Delta. Delta is a whole new animal. Will they be able to control it in time? Because now the winter athletes are like, it's six months away. You've got Delta spreading uncontrolled at the moment. Can they control it in time? Right. So there's that. And then you got Nancy Pelosi already calling for a boycott of the games. Will it continue to will that boycott call continue to spread? Peter Zihan is predicting if America takes a formal stance on Nancy Pelosi's just one baby step away from the president boycotting the games. I mean, she's, you know, the speaker of the house, for God's sake. So if you already have the speaker of the house calling for a boycott, if America does formally boycott it and ask its allies to boycott it, uh, his prediction is that China will reciprocate by nationalizing American interests in China, meaning the businesses, you know, what Apple offices or whatnot, or Apple uh, retailers, for example, would be the f- first case that comes to mind, although they might get a carve out given the amount of business they do there. But let's see what happens with this. Uh, be- oh, it's because the IOC, one of the people on the chair, one of the chair people of the IOC, one of the board members of the IOC is been revealed in Reddit yesterday was a top story in Reddit yesterday that he his personal foundation had received money from China and um I was going to ask yeah. about this Tyler is it mechanically is this the same one that pushed Japan to do the Olympics this year the IOC yeah no meaning this person oh no oh, no 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 no. Not. no this person is leading the the China games um, okay, it's not like the director of the IOC or. Anything. It's close to that, though. I, w- I want to find the headline so I can read it. Anyway, 
So that's what's going. That's one of the big starting developing dramas. On the other ones to catch Cal up is Activision. You know, the employees continue to do what they're doing. It's kind of simmered down a bit. We're not getting daily headlines on that. But, oh, Chacal, the big story is the Apple photo scanning with Snowden and everyone jumping in, warning Apple that this is, you know, you're opening Pandora's box by scanning people's... The, the one on the... Uh, the, 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 the one the that was... The child abuse the, yeah, photo yeah, database. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because... Yeah, I saw the original headlines, and then and then uh, some people have been jumping in. I didn't know Snowden had jumped. Oh in. yeah, Snowden's like, together. are you insane? Wow. Like, if you if you let the the idea is this is not Apple's doing. This is being pushed on them by the government, kind of nice because no doubt Apple and the government are talking endlessly, especially now in the face of these big, you know, anti uh, big tech company bills, you know, that are in the Senate. So or in the House and the Senate. So if Apple's in regular communications with Washington and Washington's like, you know, what we'd really like you to do is this, you know, child abuse database. If Apple agrees to do it, which they are doing, it sounds like this was not Apple's idea to do this. It's the government's. And then they start. You give them one inch. If you agree to do this one use case, they're going to take that inch and turn it into a mile. And next- yeah, CNBC had a headline that said Apple's reputation is at risk. I mean, I didn't del- delve into it a reputation for being, uh, uh, you know, like a uh, privacy yeah. secure kind of platform. But yeah, it, I guess. Is, but if you look at the trends that we've learned from Professor Tyler and Cal's class, you know, this is really to build the nuts and bolts for Apple to succeed globally. When you think about it, if you want to go into India, you better have the nuts and bolts and the road laid down to apply the filters that the Indian government wants you to do to comply with their local regulations. Um, From a PR perspective, this is probably the safest area you could pick to monitor. Um, from um, From a taste perspective, this is probably the most distasteful area that the social, you know, the public would be able to make a quick decision about. Yes, uh, child abuse is wrong. Uh, we think that we should stop it. Absolutely. Um, should this en- enable this right to, you know, privacy? Uh, what is privacy? You know, open the question on a topic that isn't necessarily tied to terrorism, because if you want terrorism, China could easily argue back. That's exactly what we're doing here in Xinjiang. The other huge story going on is the Bitcoin, the the whole American bear hugging of the crypto space with the infrastructure bill, with the provisions around um, crypto. It looks like they're going to bear hug it to death. I mean, that's what it appears to be at the moment. And it seems intentional from my perspective. Um, I may can chime in, but um, and as as I said from the very minute the EFF found that provision, I said, "Oh, this is this is going to force everyone out of the U.S." And now you even have Jack Dorsey saying in Twitter to the American politicians like Ted Cruz, "Hey, you know, just so you know, this is going to force everyone out of America Tyler, to continue what they're doing." Yes, Amen. A couple of points. Yeah. One, well, Happy Monday. Uh, the first point is that. That's exactly what's happened, apparently, from my networks and the people that I follow for years now. It looks like uh, the community has really rallied forward quite hard and fast. And Jack's kind of also solidifying what the community is doing, which is basically they're educating uh, the community further to lean towards the Loomis and to say no to the other one. And it's moving. There are senators that are now questioning the verbiage. So it is moving because, quite frankly, I'm a developer, 
and it's inside that it's inside that uh, Wagner is uh, the other one the the one that we don't want it would also make me not able to develop smart contracts like literally it would it would actually hold back the development and the tech as well which is why Jack is on top of it too because it will take a lot of tech jobs and a lot of work around the space and innovation out of the US and I think now the senators are sort of cooling their jets a bit and taking a moment to breathe and have a cup of coffee and really listen to what is the plight of the developer, the technologists, those people that are really not even doing anything other than building on the platforms, right? And it's making the people building on the platforms just as guilty, which is a bit weird, in my opinion. It's a bit kind of nonsensical. But again, also those in the community are also noticing that it's fear and doubt and that the community is also pushing back because Bitcoin's actually rising. So the community is pushing back hard. And that's where, you know, the bear hug could happen and could be attempted to happen. But at some point, the biggest argument is that there's a lot of older people inside these decision-making capacities that really have no clue about this tech and what it could do to help a lot of use cases, right? Of course, the use cases that seem to be the most popular are the ones that are making people FOMO in, ape in, degen in, because they just want to make money. You know what I'm saying? That's like really stupid because you never make money that quick without getting wrecked. But that is sort of the mindset of what people that are FOMOing in. But there are a lot of people that are actually working in the space and like me, like I'm developing and working and I'm studying and doing my smart contract certification. So like there's people like me that are working in space and I'm like, wait a second, wait, 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 don't screw me over because you guys are all greedy or whatever. So I think they're coming forward to really look at it. But on a sidebar note, you asked a question last week that relates and pertains to this which is you mentioned your question, my thoughts on Binance CEO, okay? Now, this is something interesting that came up over the course of the weekend because I was listening in on all the rooms and listening to my folks that have been in the space for a while, is that someone must have tipped off this gentleman, his buddies in his network, to get out of Binance. Oh, the, yeah, the American Binance before CEO he, guy yes, resigned. Before he gets taken down yeah. with them. Yeah. And that was something that was really a very common thread in conversation among all of the places that I was floating around in conversations. It was a common thread that his network warned him in some indirect way to get the hell out of Dodge, out of Binance, because they're going after Binance and they don't want him to be a casualty. So he's out. He That's part of the reason why, because I think CZ Binance wanted him to help them with regulators. And what ended up happening, obviously, is friendship over... Uh, there it goes. Friend, I mean, if he's got network and friendships of years and decades with the other folks, why would he align with CZ Binance just because he's a CEO? No, he probably just leaned out and said, OK, I'm going to bounce. And he stuck with his mates, which means if he came from that sector of the business, it's like me if I came from fashion for 20, 30 years and someone, you know, someone tipped me off. Right. Of course. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd align with the people that uh, I trust and that I've known for years. And I would step out, but this is just what I would do in my opinion. Okay. But this is what I'm, this is what you were asking for last week. Yeah. And that was what I wanted to sort of get confirmation okay. on. So let's go run through the biggest, biggest, biggest stories at this very moment. Happy Monday, August 9th, the top story at this very moment across the interwebs, not the most important story, although maybe it is. Um, and it's, a, it's about <clears throat> Apple's three new child safety initiatives what critics are getting wrong and the completely legitimate slippery slope concerns from experts and a related headline to that is now 5,500 
um, industry experts have signed a letter to Apple begging them to reconsider. That's a lot. That's a that's a lot of industry folks. Um, so let me find that one. Somebody just tweeted that in. Who who tweeted that one in? Because um, I just saw it, and now it's buried deep in my <laughs> endless bar of tabs of browser tabs somewhere here. Anyway, uh, that's it's a. It'll be interesting. You see, it's already part of iOS 15. It it has to come out. There's no stopping it now. It's baked into iOS 15, which they have to release in about three weeks. Um, it's yeah, the 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 toothpaste is out of the tube already. Um, so we'll see what happens now. And Apple did get blowback immediately when it was revealed that this was coming. And they responded to that blowback and internally and said, yeah, we see all the blowback. We're going to just continue to um, deal with it as it happens. And, you know. Tyler, the question that comes on that, just having heard you say about the the blowback, which I hadn't been following much. um, But so you think, right, like they would have worked this through, like they would have had a a bunch of scenarios on this. What's come out on that discussion? Because, I mean, they've got people in Washington. They've got people. They've got lobbyists everywhere. They've got smart people. They've got consultants. They've got McKinsey. I mean, they've got, like, they're not McKinsey, but they've got anyone. Like, they're hiring everyone before they put a big thing out there yeah, like this. Yeah, huge right? move. On yeah. privacy, et cetera. They've got the best privacy experts in the world yeah. like that, that are consulting to them. Do you think they, like, just, they know this is all, they're just going to write this through. They've got a decision. They've made it. Or, or do you think there's... Just like, ah, missed it. Like, just missed that it would be this big a deal. I, I, I doubt if it's going to feel like that. Not Apple, right? Hmm. Oh, here it is. More than five. Anyway, here it is. that's just a thought. Yeah. There's something. I yeah. just want to read the article. It says, an open letter against Apple's privacy invasive content scanning technology. Security and privacy experts, cryptographers, researchers, professors, legal experts, and Apple consumers decry Apple's planned move to undermine user privacy and end and end, end encryption. And it's got choice quotes from the EEF, or sorry, the EFF, which is the Electronic Frontier Foundation, who are generally considered the good guys in figuring out these kinds of issues. Uh, they are a mix of lawyers and legitimate geeks of the highest caliber. And they're coming out saying uh, it's impossible to build a client side scanning system that can only be used for sexually explicit images sent or received by children. As a consequence, even a well intending effort to build such a system will break key promises of the messenger's encryption itself and open the door to broader abuses. That's not a slippery slope. That's a fully that's a fully built system just waiting for external pressure to make the slightest change. And that's that's a hey, Cal, hey, you think this is a, a faux pas on Apple's part that's akin to what happened with New Coke and Coca-Cola? You know, something on that level. Yeah, no, Ken, that's exactly <laughs> that. My that's my curiosity, right? Sometimes really, really, really smart companies do really dumb things, like really, and they've got all the inputs, they've got everything, and they just miss something. They just, and I'm just curious whether it's just miss something or uh, we got this. We got, you know, we got scenario A, B. I used to do this. Like you have 15 scenarios. We're exiting China. What are the 15 scenarios, right? Chinese government screws us. We can't do any own label stuff anymore. Uh, B, this, C, D, D, you put them all on the table, right? And and then you ask all the smartest brains and everyone you can get hold of, experts locally, everywhere, and then you go through each scenario. I mean, that's standard practice, right, for 
a large company like so, this, especially so, Apple. Right? So this. So what have they missed? Well, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. Good point. I'm tweeting out yeah. this letter because you got to see. It. There's some other really choice quotes in here where it says, for example, um, one's uh, one researcher in security and privacy uh, warns. Apple sells iPhones without FaceTime in Saudi Arabia. I didn't know that. That's really interesting because local regulations uh, prohibits encrypted phone calls. That's just one example of many where Apple's bent to local pressure. What happens when local regulations in Saudi Arabia mandate that messages be scanned, not for sexual con sexual abuse, children's sexual abuse, but for homosexuality or for offenses against the monarchy? Oh boy, wait, wait until Thailand does that. And then the... EFF has another statement in this letter where it says, take the example in India, where recently passed rules include dangerous requirements for platforms to identify the origins of messages and pre-screen content before it goes live, which there, we now have seen, we've been talking about that. So, and then the companies have to report what they took down preemptively through their algorithms. New laws in Ethiopia requiring content takedowns of quote-unquote misinformation in 24 hours may apply to messaging services in many other countries. Often those with authoritarian governments have passed similar laws. Apple's changes would enable such screening, takedowns, and reporting in its end-to-end -end messaging. The abuse cases are easy to imagine. Governments that outlaw homosexuality might require the classifier to be trained to restrict apparent LGBTQ plus content or an authoritarian regime might demand the classifier be able to spot popular satirical images or protest flyers, etc. It does. It opens the it opens the box. It opens it, it. You're waving a flag that our system can be controlled by governments, and we in this room, more than perhaps than anywhere else I know of, has been sounding the alarm that India's forcing tech companies to comply with technical flaming loopholes that they. It turns out they resist initially, but in the end comply with, and that's setting a precedence that every other government's watching, including America. Uh, certainly the big the big powerful countries and now we're seeing what appears to be this is why i'm harping on the issue who's pushing apple to do this is this and are they internally deciding this i highly doubt it because their whole mantra the whole company om operatus mandi their whole entire proposition is privacy they're, they're they're betting the company on privacy this is their key 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 marketing pr issue above all else so much so that they even have a design of their own company logo with a padlock above the apple as if the the apple icon is a padlock and there's a a loop lock like what's called a shackle you know, you guys know what i'm saying that they this is part this is so fundamental to who apple is that it's privacy 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 we are the privacy company all the other companies android is not private we're the privacy company in the light of pegasus now and in the light of this that's that's done that's over and so are, are they will were they so willing to self-inflict this wound on themselves of jeopardizing their number one pr unique proposition of privacy i don't think so i think this is again the u.s uh is in, uh, initiating this so i can't imagine oh, the other question about that that's exact so the other question that would be in my head right now it's like so who can put pressure on Apple, right right who can okay u.s government right. 
Who else? Chi well, Who else? yeah, China has. Chinese right. government? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But in, in this else? case, if yeah. it was Apple's own choice to do this, if this was self-inflicted wound and they're getting this blowback, Apple would likely say, ah, okay, well, this is only self-inflicted. Of course, we could undo this damage. But when it's not self-inflicted, when it's the government pushing on you, you can't retract. You don't have a choice. And that's why they're not backing down. Apple is known for backing down. In fact, they had a signature collection internally a month ago over the hiring of Antonio Garcia because of, you know, some team members felt they wouldn't feel safe working alongside him, even though they weren't probably weren't even in his own department. Twice, by the way, twice in the last two months, Apple has backed down when there were signature collections amongst their team members. And now there's 5,500 security experts in Snowden and the EFF all screaming and shouting, Apple, what are you doing? This is crazy. This is a, a sort of corporate suicide. Stop. Please stop. And they're saying, nah, go ahead with it. What? That do you think the employees are going to do that this time? I think that, you know, that's kind of the other theme is employees are more empowered than they've ever been, at least in recent history. Right. Yeah. And employee activism is actually it's actually causing every problem we've talked about in the show whenever a, a big tech bumps up against the government. Right. Uh, and I'll shut up. OK, so the on on this point, the EFF. Electronic Frontier Foundation insists that it's already seen this mission creep in action one, where they say, quote, one of the technologies originally built to scan and hash child sexual abuse imagery has been repurposed to create a database of, quote unquote, terrorist content that companies can contribute to and access for the purpose of banning such content. The database managed by the Global Internet Forum to Counter Terrorism, GIFCT, is troublingly without external oversight despite calls for from civil society Fun fundamental design flaws in apple's approach uh have also been pointed out by experts who have claimed that apple can trivially use different media fingerprinting databases for each user for one user it could be child abuse for another it could be much broader category thereby enabling selective content tracking for users that's a really interesting point that the eff brings up which is that's what they do they know what every company is doing when it comes to privacy. They are the independent, um, call it as they see it, geeks, lawyers who do, the, uh, you know, try to let everyone know what's really going on behind the scenes. <clears throat> That's a great example of this global Internet forum uh, of counterterrorism, which I didn't know about myself, uh, where they say this is this has already this similar database of fingerprinting. Of, of images that they're searching for is already being used by another agency. So <clears throat> to be continued, no doubt that that story has got plenty of gas left in that tank and, uh, and we'll read up on it. And one of the other fringe um, side dramas is of course, uh, Facebook's WhatsApp boss is saying that they will never do this. So WhatsApp says Apple's approach to this is a setback to user privacy will be more fraught Outside the U.S., WhatsApp flagged 400,000 cases to NCMEC. I don't know what that is in 2020. <clears throat> so anyway, the next biggest story at this very moment is from the Washington Post, which says how the cryptocurrency industry gained influence in Washington and became one of the biggest stumbling blocks holding up the passage of the infrastructure bill. 
The infrastructure bill is in part stalled as negotiations proceed on how closely to regulate the crypto industry. This is this is what an amazing thought that is, that the, it's the crypto provision, which is one page out of a 2000 page infrastructure, multi-trillion dollar infrastructure bill to redo America's roads and bridges and Internet infrastructure. And what's holding what what has it, you know, held up is this provision around how to police uh, cryptocurrencies in the U.S. and the wording of that. And, well, the wording set in the bill, it's the amendments, essentially, that are holding it up. It actually tells they haven't even gotten to those amendments yet. What's, what's, well, the reason why they haven't even passed anything and they're still dilly-dallying is there's one senator from Tennessee who's making them go through every single procedure, okay, to delay, you know, Bill Haggerty of Tennessee. And, and, and it's like, so they, they, they were, they, they've been voting on all sorts of procedural stuff you know, all day today, having nothing to do with crypto. Yes, and Reuters headline is one trillion dollar U.S. infrastructure bill inches ahead with Senate votes, where they did sort of the preliminary vote, where it looks like it'll pass. What well, again? This is one of those stories that is just we haven't even hit the peak of it yet. Um, yeah, it was supposed to pass. It was supposed to pass Saturday. Maybe they'll vote on it Tuesday. But I, I, I wanted to point out because this is this isn't really being spoken about a lot. Certainly not in these types of rooms. Even if this thing passes, regardless of what crypto provisions in there, not in there, because the the House Democrats are are insisting on a larger bill, a secondary bill that they're going to try to get. They want the Senate to pass through a process called reconciliation where they don't need any Republican votes. They can do it with 50 votes plus the vice president. Um, uh, But some of the Democrats won't go along with that in the Senate. Nancy Pelosi is saying she's not going to bring this infrastructure bill that we're all talking about, no matter what's in it, she will not bring it to a vote in the House unless the Senate also sends over the second bill, okay, which is a much larger spending bill that is a little bit even more controversial. So there's a there's a chance that nothing happens, you know, even like uh, AOC is, you know, she's not wrong. She says the Democrats have only like a three or five vote majority in, in the House. And if and if they piss off the progressives, she and her friends will not vote for either bill. So nothing may end up ha- happening at all. So Jack Dorsey tweets about this, that forcing reporting rules on Americans who develop software and hardware, who mine and secure the network or who run nodes to build resilience and efficiencies is an impossible ask that will only drive development and operation of this critical technology outside the U.S. And then. Tyler Winklevoss, uh, one of the Winklevoss twins who, you know, sued Facebook and won if I, they got a settlement at least anyway, um, then I have been huge in the crypto space since then. And he says on Twitter, the crypto voting block is real. We are no longer a fringe community of technologists, but a rapidly growing industry of millions of people that is fast becoming a major growth engine of the U.S. economy and will be for decades to come. Um, Mike Arrington, who was the founder of the TechCrunch blog, uh, jumps on Twitter to say, I love how senators just have to say, let's fuck this random stuff up. And then all the people in that industry pour money into their coffers to convince them not to. It's a direct analogy to nice story you have here. Would be a shame if something bad were to happen to it, (laughs) implying that the government's a mafia trying to shake down the crypto industry to to become uh, campaign contributors, essentially. So, so Tyler, this has been a. So, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Crypto Council for Innovation in the U.S. It's the crypto lobbying group, mm-hmm. uh, which has Coinbase, Fidelity, and a few others. Their funding is just going through the roof right yeah. now. So, which means 
they're also going to be lobbying all of these folks. So this is yeah, and, going to get and, interesting. In fairness, Andreessen Horowitz is likely the largest VC investor in the crypto space of all the main VCs. And they came out and said, you know, told the senators, you know, you got to think this through carefully, hint, hint, wink, wink, uh, you know, very nice political terms, you know, not not very threatening, but uh, definitely encouraging more consideration of the impacts of this tremendous uh, issue. So um, the next biggest story at this very moment is from NBC News. It says call center operator called Teleperformance, which counts Apple and Amazon and Uber as clients. Well, those are two of the world's biggest companies right there, Apple and Amazon, wants to monitor staff working from home in Colombia via AI-powered cams, which leads to the headline, big tech call center workers face pressure to accept home surveillance in their homes. Your company's your bosses, your, your, the, your, the company you work for wants to put cameras inside your own private home to monitor you because you're working from home as an employee. Workers at one of the world's largest call center companies said additional monitoring would violate the privacy of their families in their homes. And so the workers are saying this is an invasion of privacy because I'm working in my home. The company says, yeah, but you're an employee and you're working for us from your home and we need to see you working. So Columbia call-based center workers who provide outsourced customer service to some of the nation's largest companies are being pressured to sign a contract that lets their employer install cameras in their homes to monitor work performance, an NBC News investigation has found. Six workers based in Columbia for Teleperformance, one of the world's largest call center companies, which counts Apple, Amazon, and Uber amongst its clients, said that they are concerned about the new contract first issued in March. The contract allows monitoring by AI-powered cameras in workers' homes, voice analytics and storage of data collected from the workers' family members, including minors, because it needs to tap in, it needs to analyze the data of your home connection, your internet connection. You're not the only one using that connection, hence the problem that your kids are also using it, etc. So, um, it says teleperformance employs more than 380,000 workers globally, including 39,000 in Colombia. The contract allows constant monitoring of what we're doing, but also our family, said Bogota-based worker on the Apple account who was not authorized to speak to the news media. I think it's really bad. I don't work in an office. I work in my bedroom. I don't want to have a camera in my bedroom. The worker said she signed the contract, a copy of which NBC News has reviewed, which because she feared losing her job if she didn't sign it, understandably. She said that she was told by her supervisor that she would be moved off the Apple account if she refused to sign the document. She said she, she said the additional surveillance technology was not yet been has not yet been installed. The concerns of the workers who all spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak to the media highlight a pandemic related trend that has alarmed privacy and labor experts as many workers have shifted to performing their duties at home. Some companies are publishing are pushing for increasing levels of digital monitoring of their staff in an effort to recreate the oversight of the office at home. Thoughts from the stage? Tyler, yes? could I ask a stupid question? Is this just specific? You said they had um, 390,000 employees worldwide yeah. and they have, or about 39,000 are in Colombia. Yeah. So what's the reasoning behind that? Did all of the offices, did, is this a global wide thing that they want to do or is it just targeting Latin? It's not clear. Well, I, I don't think it, 
Well, that's they might be starting with the- Columbia because it's where they thought they could test it without the news finding out. And then once everyone signed on, then they would do it in more visible countries, so to speak. I think there's something really eerily odd and really off about that because I, <clears throat> I do agree with what the woman is saying. I mean, like, this is your private life. This is your home. You know, I mean, if that is the case, then start paying rent for those people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to start turning it into, like, a, a, a big brother watching situation, I mean, at what point do we draw the line? I mean, that's, I, I, I hope some privacy lawyers and yeah. stuff get on top of this and make them amend this because I just think it's a breach of their human rights and their right to privacy in their own home. It, it's sticky. I mean, it doesn't matter if they work naked. It doesn't matter if they work. What if they work naked? I mean, really, what if they just get, they enjoy working naked? They're not going to be seen per se, but what I'm just saying, what if they have a really messy house? What if they live 50, like 10, 10 people in one home and there's only one small corner with that workers working because that's Colombia. That could be the case where in Medellin or something like that, it's a small apartment and they live with big families in a small apartment and they're on top of each other. That's embarrassing to have someone see that. Why would someone even want to allow that? You know, it's really heart-wrenching to even think that, that, that this could be something that people would want and it would be even more heart-wrenching and hurtful if it actually goes through. Well, I actually, there's a very simple solution to this. Colombia just needs to do a data sovereignty that says, sure, you can put a camera, but you can't take any of the data out of the country. You can't take the streaming video out of the country. Done. Boom. But I think this is yeah, a but that's not very impactful. That's not very I, I know, I, I know, but they can't do that in countries where, where there's. From. They can't do, do that in countries where there's. They can't take data out. It's as simple as that. Correct, but then you have the empathic, compassionate standpoint, and as a woman. You all, she's got family, you know, uh-huh. I mean, so check there this has out. to be a level of trust, The drama right? continues. Uh, some teleperformance workers have become so concerned about the pressure to agree to sweeping surveillance that they have started to organize to improve their working conditions. Uh, anyone, <laughs> anyone uh, um, well, there goes Tyler, what I was just saying. I mean, I'm Hispanic. I know that in the Latin community, I have friends in Medellin. Yeah. These are not big apartments. They're suffering yeah, yeah. a lot with the, with the situation. The bigger there. point is they're unionizing over this. And so if the company continues to force this and they're telling people, you know, you're going to lose, we won't, you're not going to be able to work. They are all going to collectively join together and be like, ah, okay, we have to unionize right now very expeditiously to counter the threat that they could fire us independently. They're going to split us up between the the ones who are willing to and not willing to. We need to all stand together and say, no, we're all, it's all or nothing. You fire all 39,000 of us or none. And that's where they have they're going to be able to leverage their strength because I, I Tyler, doubt I doubt they, very few of them are in favor of doing it. Yeah, Emma. Tyler, in, and I think Ken wanted to say, so I'll just say one last thing to your point about that unionization. They're also messing with the wrong country, because the one thing that the Latinos in Latam has is no matter what we have in our differences, when something goes down, that's like this, we will rally together and support each other. And that's where they're, they're not, they're underestimating the power of community and collectiveness that the Latinos have. They're really underestimating it because that 39,000 could very well do that. And that's where they will underestimate their power. I just want to, I think in that article, Apple said this whole thing violates their policies. Apple's basically disassociating himself from, from yeah, this. Of course. Saying this. Yeah, right. That this was this company doing it on their own, which it might be because that that don't that company has their own P and L. So who knows? 
Mm, doesn't sound like it if they're saying you will you you'll we'll move you off of Apple if you don't sign the contract. You'll keep your job. We'll keep you on. Yeah, but they're trying to do that. I mean, as as kind of leverage to get them to do it. But you you know what I'm saying? I I think it has to do with their. I see Ken's point. I see Ken's point. He, Ken, are you talking about like that they're an outs, they're a middleman yeah. between Apple, they're a representation totally. of yes. a bunch of workers, yes. and they're trying to get better deals on their contracts, so they're trying to make it more attractive, yeah, but or, this, or they're trying to get but rid this of people. Is why, to I'm not picking on Apple, but this is why big companies outsource out jobs that they don't want to be themselves directly associated with, like this. Like, like Apple could employ all of those call center people directly. And normally Apple is such a control, loves to have so much control of user experience. They're notorious for it, right? That they want to control, 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 and have. I mean, the, the Apple is legendary for this. That you can only they get only able to do what they do because they're vertically integrated. They control every aspect of the whole user experience. That they normally, under normal circumstances, would even uh, employ the um, call center folks, you know, etc. But in this case, they understand how sticky that is. They understand that starts getting into low wage controlling all of this they want the degree of separation they're more than happy to delegate that stuff out let some other company have it where they have plausible deniability that there's you know we don't know what that company's asking their team members to do tyler yeah. here. Yeah. um the, i just uh, for me it makes no I'm sense i'm not picking on apple got... specifically but this is just yeah. a tactic that every big company does when it they have to get into oh, dirty yes, yes, go ahead yeah. no no i'm talking about the actual surveillance yeah. piece yeah, yeah. And it makes no sense because they could easily record them and you have so many different metrics in place now to measure customer service staff and call center staff that i don't even know why you would want to video your staff you can get client you, feedback you, you, you got a great point the, the point is they're already doing it without their approval the, the whole point of the contract is to make it that they're agreeing to it because yeah, you're right. Yeah. Technically, it's a piece of cake to do it. Turn on their cameras, watch them. If you really want to just monitor performance, yes. somebody's performance, there's so many other ways that companies are doing it already right now. Why would you need the video surveillance on your employees that are on the phone? It makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't even know what they would be achieving. It might be more the that. audio because um, they want to be able to hear everything you're saying during your customer service calls. They, they need the audio. I don't think they really do need the video. Yeah. Actually, strange. you give back PR to the uh, principal companies like Apple, Amazon, etc., and those guys will go back and say, stop this to the call center. Same thing that happened with Foxconn, which was accused of, uh, uh, you know, child labor and underpaid workers and Apple stepped in, right? So give back PR to the principal companies and this company will have to stop this rubbish. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's just a really interesting uh, thought. And the next big one is from Reuters. China sues Tencent, claiming that WeChat's youth mode does not comply with the country's laws protecting minors. Uh, Beijing prosecutors initiated a civil public interest lawsuit against Tencent uh, subsidiary WeChat on Friday, saying the youth mode of the company's popular social app uh, does not comply with the country's laws protecting minors. Um, I guess we need to crack that open to see what is the nitty gritty of what exactly were they doing, but it's paywalled. So even better that we get in um, David Chang, if possible. To, Cheryl, could you try and ping in David? And see, uh, Okay, I'll no, do that. Thank you. I, I imagine he knows intimately what's going on in this case. I want to see, yeah, there's lots of people covering this article, like in Gadget and The Verge and AP 
and Bloomberg and others. So let's see what they have to say. It says WeChat may be a stable may be a staple of Chinese digital life, but it isn't stopping the country's government from clamping down on the messaging giant's behavior. Reuters reporters reports that Beijing prosecutors have sued Tencent over youth mode. Youth mode prevents younger users from accessing payments, <clears throat> finding nearby friends and playing certain games is effectively parental control. Tencent hasn't commented on the lawsuit that recently set stricter limits for young Honor of King players capping playtime to just an hour a day. The suit might be part of a broader crackdown. China state media blasted the game industry and online performance. The country has also focused much of its recent attention on So they don't really seem to know. And Engadget has read the article. So it's a big, we don't know at the moment uh, on this issue. Um, So we'll wait because that drama is still got plenty of gas left in that tank. Next biggest story is despite claims of diversity inclusion, Asian Americans in Silicon Valley still face racism and are least likely to break into leadership positions. Um, Is the headline from Bloomberg. Uh, It's paywalled and they're the only ones covering it. And my friend Ken Young was the one who sent, who uh, kind of popularized it's he's the one that kind of made it viral uh he himself is asian america in silicon valley um what well i i i maybe they're not counting uh, indian in this is like the google both google and microsoft have raised their former i mean both sundar pachai and uh nutella both have been at the company and now they've become ceos of google and microsoft two of the top big five tech companies so i'm Maybe they mean non-Indian Asians or they're not. I don't know. So anyway, next. Yes. So this this topic actually comes up quite frequently in the Asian professionals Mm -hmm. and other um, Asian uh, rooms with professionals that are outside of that Uh club. And my sense is that it's it's by ratio and proportion, particularly in the tech spaces. So so, yes, there are a couple of high, highly visible you know, people in the U.S. with tech companies. It's almost like saying, you know, well, Oprah is successful, so yeah. all African-American, you, yeah. you know. So so I, I think that it's, I, I don't know the, the statistics offhand. It might be less than 2% are in the C-suite over, overall. Yeah. Um, but but I think it's it's more kind of uh, global in scope. Well, yeah. not necessarily geographically global, but in the sense of, yeah, you might have one or two highly visible people. But when you look at the actual statistics of people in the C-suite and people who are performing the technical jobs, there is a mismatch. And I, I think people refer to it as the bamboo ceiling. Yep. The next big one from Wall Street Journal, an analysis of receipts from 1 million consumers shows that the average Uber and Lyft fares in the U.S. were higher in July 2022, that's last month, compared to January 2020, pre-COVID. The question is, how much higher? I know the answer. That gives us a fantastic opportunity to play our favorite new game, Tech News Jeopardy. How much higher are Uber and Lyft rates, according to 1 million consumer receipts, last month compared to pre-COVID? 30%. 50%. 30%. Yeah, 50%. 50%. 50%. 50%. 50%. 50%. I want to win this. I'm going to say 51%. <laughs> 52. 54. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Amy on that now. I want anything above the... Okay, 55. I'm, I'm just playing that game. Anything <laughs> well, above, yeah, I win, $1, right? $1, Bob. $1, Bob. Let's make a deal. 
let's make I, let's make a deal. <laughs> uh, all the Americans are making American game show jokes. Um, one dollar, Bob. So the the answer is a tie between Ame and Cal. It is fifty percent. So well done. Yes, Woo! I got two now. I'm going. Yeah. Tyler, we we got to hear about your prices right experience. I was such a jerk. Stepping okay, over no, you no, not a problem. Chris and I have both been on America's most loved game show of all time called The Price Is Right, and the it's been America's best game show since game shows were invented back in the '60s. And um, I got called down to contestants row because when I was in line out in the parking lot, which Chris knows when you're at CBS TV city in Hollywood, you have to wait in the parking lot in the morning, starting at like six, seven in the morning, you know, and then you meet the producers and you, he asks you very quickly, you know, why should we pick you to be on the show? And from, in my case, it was my birthday. I went there with all of my friends on my birthday. And I know if you watch the show regularly, you know, they let people come down to contestants row if it's their birthday and they have their friends in the audience. So, I strategically let all my friends go before me to talk to the producer while you're waiting in line. And they said, well, we're all here for Tyler's birthday. We're all here for Tyler's birthday. I had like 10 of them in a row. I'll say that. Then it came to me. And then the person after me next in line, I had become friends with sitting in the parking lot for five hours that morning. And he clearly has Asperger's or some kind of um, neurological issue but he's a savant. He's like Rain. He's identical to Rain Man. If you've seen this with the the show Rain Man, the movie with Tom Cruise and uh, who's the other guy in Rain Man? Dustin Hoffman. Right. So he is identical to Dustin Hoffman. He's a savant. He can do. He knows everything that has ever happened on the show, and he watches that show religiously. You know. Like it's a UFO landing on the White House lawn. Oh, those shows, those shoes are four ninety nine. Yes, exactly. He no, he. No more. By the way, the, the the items on the Price Is Right that they ask you to bid, you have to know the prices of everything, like the bag of Panners Planters peanuts, or this, you know, a kitchenette set, or this car, or this. He has memorized all the prices, all of them, all of them, all of them. He knows by memory all one thousand prices of all one thousand objects that the show has ever shown because he's. Rain Man. He he has memorized all the prices. And we were testing this in the parking lot. He has them all memorized. So when it comes to me, all my friends are saying we're here for Tyler's birthday. You know, please pick him to go down, you know, to be on the show. Ten in a row. Then it comes to me. And the producer says, Happy birthday, Tyler. Because he sees my name tag on my shirt. He says, Oh, you're Tyler. Happy birthday. I said, Thanks. He's also, why should we let you on the show? I said, Well, you know what? It, that would be nice if that happens because it's my birthday. But I'll tell you what, as my birthday present. If I could ask one thing for my birthday, I want the guy that comes after me in line that you're going to meet in about 30 seconds to go down on the show. And and the producer says, wow, okay, we've never had that happen before. Uh, Normally, when people come from their birthday with all their friends, they want to be on the show. I said, yeah, I get that. That would be nice. But if it's up to me and if I have to choose between me and the guy you're going to meet after me, please pick the guy after me. Because that would be Price is Right history. Like, I can't really explain, but trust me. So then the guy comes after me, talk, you know, and then we go into the show. We sit down. He calls and then it's towards the, you know, uh, where the Price is Right is going. And come, Tyler Crowley, come on down. You're the next contestant on the Price is Right. Do, do, do. And then the music and the lights. And I come down and I'm talking. And we bid on. Are you jumping up and down now? Because you have a lot of. 
high energy. Yeah, you got to have a lot of energy. Yeah. So I jump down. I'm jumping up and down like I'm on meth. You know, I'm all excited. And we have to bid on some ironing board or something. And then they call next is the guy, Rain Man. They called us both down. And then we're hugging in front the front row. You know, there's, there's only four contestants. And, you know, we're freaking out and jumping up and down. And uh, I just thought that was very sweet of them to put us both so both cool. up there. Yeah. Anyway, that's my little story. The price is right. So, But Tyler, yeah. did he win? Did he, he win those? Was he good when he was he, up there? It that's was the key. very last bit of the whole show. If you're the first to come down at the beginning of the show, you're going to get on stage. You, got, you have, you know, 12 chances to get on stage. If you're the last person called, you've got one chance to get on stage. You know, he did. He got up on stage. But, uh, um, you know, when you play a game of chance, you know, and you don't get you win any bids to win, you know. So, unfortunately, he wasn't good at the games that were, phys- you know, they're physical, some of them, like the spinning the wheel and the, you know, Plinko and whatever. So, it's there's luck involved. And, unfortunately, he wasn't Oh, my lucky. God. Plinko. Yeah. Oh, my God. Plinko. What That's year was that, Tyler? We got to find that. Footage. Oh, God. What year was that? We need to find the footage for yeah. sure. And it was your birthday on this Yeah, day? that day, that morning, yeah. Oh yeah. wow! So when's your birthday, Tyler? Huh? When's your birthday? Still have the mullet? Yeah, my um, did I have a mullet or did he? What? No, <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't have a mullet at that time. No, no. High school photo that Cheryl has. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you can DM me. I'll go. And All right. It. Next. He's gonna go. He's gonna go find a headline yes. now to move past the discussion. Right. I just yeah, know him yeah, so that's right. well. <laughs> Cal, we missed right, I gotta go. All right, guys. Moderation, I gotta go. But you must go back to your family. Yeah, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Have a wonderful Enjoy. Come bye, back Cal. next week, Cal. We'll give you updated. Uh, bye, Cal. I'll pop back in. Anytime, okay? I've got a timestamp already. Okay. Yeah, I know. You did me. You got me. Bye. Next, next big headline. Can I stick one in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go. Uh, let me do this one, and then you can go, Dan. The next big one right now is a look at metaphysic. Uh, is the name of the company. This is from CNN. A company which uses deep fake tech to create ads. I told you. I Did I tell you this was coming? Deep fake ads? We talked about it here. Um, to create uh, deep fake tech to create ads and restore old film. Its founder went viral on TikTok for deep faking Tom Cruise. And um, earlier this year, videos of Tom Cruise started popping up on TikTok of the actor doing some surprisingly un Tom Cruise like stuff. And you all saw those videos. And this is a deep dive on the found that guy who's in those videos who made himself look like Tom Cruise and how he's now he's turning it into a advertising company. And, um, you can read all about it. So I'm going to tweet that out. Go ahead, Dan. So the big news coming for this week uh, is starting in about uh, 40 minutes from now, the uh, new IPCC report that's been a really long time in the making. And they have different kinds of reports. This is the climate science report and it hasn't been, I think, since 2013 or something. Really long time. Um, anyway, it's coming out and we're actually going to do a special room on it at 1 a.m. with my time, which is kind of weird, on uh, Climate Chat Club talking about it. And that's when it gets released. It's going to be much more um, very direct compared to previous reports that kind of waffled about what might happen, this, that, and the other thing. It's going to be extremely direct about the need to very, very rapidly decrease emissions or what's going to happen if, if you don't do that. So it should be very interesting. It's going to certainly hog the news cycle for the next uh, several days. And I do think out about this. The one way to think about this is, you know, all these stories about people who refuse the vaccine 
and then they or their husband or something gets COVID and they feel really awful. Well, we're all going to feel that way if we don't, you know, quickly reduce our emissions. We're all going to be in that kind of situation. Anyway, so it's it's starting in 40 minutes from now. Uh, it's going to be released. That's unfortunate. None of us and, can join uh, that. we're getting ready for that by kind of reviewing things, and it should be very interesting. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll all be in here doing tech news, so that's unfortunate. So CB Insights, okay. the global corporate venture capital-backed fundraising, has reached $79 billion across 2,099 deals in the first half of 2021, up from $74 billion for all of 2020. So what that means is in the first half of this year, we've already passed the record-breaking year of 2020, and it's only in the first six months. We're doubling last year. This is going to be a double record-breaking uh, year for fundraising for tech. Uh, with everything going up, it says Google Ventures had the most deals with 64. With everything going up to the right, it's only fitting that corporate venture capital investments did two during the past quarter, Then when they should say the first half, because the data is about the first half. $79 billion already. That means we're on track to do $160 billion that's just that's bizarre. That that growth chart looks ridiculous. Ken? Oh. You oh. had your mic open. I didn't know if you wanted to jump in there. That's right. Next big headline. As Cuba's government tightens its controls on Internet access, attempts from the U.S. government to bolster connectivity to the island seems unlikely to succeed. And indeed, the Biden administration was scheming ways to get Internet to Cuba with balloons or planes or who knows what. Um, and this is where Starlink is going to be really interesting because this could be a case where Starlink is likely to operate. And let's see if the government's able to stop it or not, because the U.S. government actually has an interest in it working there. <laughs> so if you have one country wanting it to work there and another, the local country doesn't, but the local country um, is not very well equipped to stop it, uh, this is going to be a really interesting Use case. So Cuba Starlink is going to be keep an eye out on that one. The next big article is some interesting fundraisings happening. Clear Lake Capital to acquire uh, and take private cornerstone on demand. Toronto based Smile CDR, which offers software for health clinical data interoperability, raises 20 million. Uh, Retain.ai, a service that gives enterprise a view of customer engagement across teams, raises 23 million. Siemens in Germany says that it has agreed to buy Netherlands-based Squills, a cloud-based software suite for rail transport operators. Experts say $65 billion broadband bill Congress is finalizing has good aspects but won't fix the high price and result from broadband. Um, ah, Okay, Redmond, look at Singapore's efforts to become a leading hub for esports. We covered that. Okay, we're done with the boring headlines that your cousins and coworkers are reading. And now we get to go into the really interesting ones that people are finding all over the interwebs. And the first one out of the gate is this one from South China Morning Sea from Poppy, which says South China Morning Post, rather, is in China. Um based out of Hong Kong, essentially, but they are cover. Their headline today is that China tests tens of millions as second wave of virus hits 17 provinces. 
rescue underway in eastern archipelago after social media cry for help from a sailor reporting 13 crewmates ill but refused permission to dock and now it's delta spreading in china now up to 17 provinces it's uh let's see what they can do with uh sinovac uh rescue underway yeah we covered the boat China reported another 94 locally transmitted COVID-19 cases as the country continues to fight the most serious outbreak since last year's peak in Wuhan, testing tens of millions of people across the country. Of the new infections, 41 were in Henan, and the central province hit hard by floods last month after record-breaking rainfall. Another 38 in the eastern province of Jiangsu, where Nanjing, the first, uh, the site of first cases in the outbreak, were detected. And the outbreak has spread to 17 provinces after the highly transmissible Delta variant was detected among airport staff in Nanjing on July 20th. So this all started July 20th at the airport from a Russian flight where the cleaning crew of that flight were the first to be infected domestically. And it's now spread to 17 provinces since July 20. So in 20 days, it's gone to 17 provinces and growing Almost virally. It's almost growing like a virus over there, this this COVID thing. It's going viral. Oh, by the yeah. way, Tyler, I should mention, in Austin, Texas, which is a very big tech hub, as yes. you know, there's only six ICU beds left right yeah. now. There were 16 a week ago, and there's only six left as the PSA. Yeah, left. I read that headline a couple hours ago. Austin, uh, population of 2.9 million. And by the way, in that article, Ken, you can confirm if you have it open in front of you, I don't have Houston, that. which is one of the world biggest cities in America. I think third or fourth biggest city in America only has very few beds left. Um, Dallas, also uh, one of America's biggest city. If you, if you factor in Dallas and its neighboring city um, as a metropolitan area, it's one of the largest in the U.S. Fort Worth. Yeah, Fort, Fort Worth, Dallas Fort Worth. combined. It's one big metropolitan area, one of the biggest in the U.S. And they are also essentially out of beds. They even in Austin, Texas, are using the manual um, audio air horn system used for like bombings during World War II, where they all warn the citizens with this mechanical air horn system um, that to be on high alert that COVID is of such um, seriousness. They're up to 20,000 cases. It's some huge percentage of the cases in America are in Texas and Florida at the moment. I think 40% of all cases reported yesterday were in Florida and Texas. Chris? I had a brain fart as you were talking. I'm sorry. Ah, yes. Tyler, just to go back to Henan province. Um, so I, I've done some work with with the university there a few years back and they're really, really big in agriculture. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to call that out because, you know, implications on at least the food supply chain within China, given um, phase of, of COVID with the Delta variant. Okay. So the next headline is from the Telegraph. Google's Wing, which is their drone delivery system, keeps its drone dreams aloft, is, is the headline. The drone delivery company was launched as part of Alphabet's X division, its so-called moonshot factory. <clears throat> they call it Google Wing. It's doing deliveries. I've seen documentaries of it in Australia where they're delivering coffee to people 
who love ordering coffee from the convenience of their house. And they just one click delivery of several uh, businesses in the area. They're also now in Finland and they seem to be doing well. So why does this headline come out today? Why is Google, why is Google, this headline, Google's wing keeps its drone dreams aloft? Why is that coming out today? I'll tell you why that's coming out today, because it was reported that Amazon's um, drone delivery team in the UK seems to be shutting down with 100 people having left and it's being mismanaged. And they didn't say it's shutting down. They're saying that it's kind of imploding and people are leaving like 100 people have left. So no doubt Google saw that headline. And I guess Google contacted the Telegraph to say, hey, we're not winding down. Uh, if you're leaving the Amazon drone team, you might want to join the Google drone team. We're not winding down. The headline is Google's wing team is not dying. That's literally the headline. Google wings keeps its drone dreams aloft. Well, who asked? Who asked you? Who, who's, who cares about that? Why is that of news? That's not a news headline. What's the news there? What are you revealing? We're not dying. That That's the news? That's the headline? Our team's not dying. That's what it says. Here's the headline. Let me read you this quote-unquote breaking news headline. Google division keeps its dreams aloft, meaning it's not dying. How the fuck is that news? There's a lot of companies not dying today. Why? By the way, Amazon Web Services not dying. Apple's uh, iPad team not dying. Uh, the iPhone team not dying. And the AirPods team also not dying. None of these are news. Neither is Google's drone delivery not dying. That's not news. Why are you reporting this? You're reporting it because Google's doing a PR piece to announce that they want to acquire, if you're leaving the Amazon team. Oh, and by the way, if you think I'm, this is a conspiracy theory, take note of this interesting uh, coincidence. The 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 company the 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 journal the publication that's publishing this is the Telegraph UK. Guess who was the source of the Amazon team winding down? The UK. So this headline's being promoted in the UK, just where Amazon warehouse of drone team is disintegrating. Is that? Oh, what an interesting coincidence! What a neat coincidence! Wow. So the the single publisher who decides to run this headline that Google's drone team isn't dying happens to be geographically in the same place where the Amazon team is dying. Wow, what an interesting coincidence. I wonder how that happened. How the sausage is made, everybody, and why is the Telegraph? Hey, Telegraph journalist, whoever wrote this, I think why I think they are doing public service to make sure those people still have a job. Sure, yeah. But why is the Telegraph doing this on behalf of Google? I wonder. I wonder if relationships are involved. Maybe, perhaps, a little doing a little favor between the head of the you know, PR team at Google and the journalist at the Telegraph. Maybe do us a little favor. Maybe let them know. You know, we're not dying. Funny. Are they getting a recruitment referral? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're Telegraph getting into the headhunter. Uh, Thing. I imagine at the bottom of the article, it says, if you're interested in joining the team, you know, just contact our editor. Um, so next headline is from Bloomberg. China's economic risks build as Delta cases spread and prices gain. The PPI climbed again in July after a slight slowdown in June. Goldman cuts GDP growth forecasts on virus restrictions. 
China's economic economic risks are China's economic risks are building in the second half of the year with the growth set to slow while inflation pressures are picking up clouding the outlook for central bank support. And now they got they get they're going to deal with Delta just like Thailand did and let's we're all going to see how it does so far it's in 17 provinces that makes it a little tricky to control when it's getting that far out of hand. But let's see if they can do it. Amazon's back in the news um today the headline is from from mahogany that amazon same day delivery expands to six more u.s cities that's the headline amazon super speedy delivery now covers a dozen cities which may thrill shoppers and innovators but leaves workers bracing themselves well they're industrial athletes after all so the question is where are the six cities that now get same day delivery the total now comes to a dozen U.S. cities where Prime members can order up to 3 million items on demand. The company launched faster delivery in, anyone want to guess the city? First one gets a point in Tech News Jeopardy. No one's even taking a chance. Okay. So it's, New York. huh? New York. No, New York, New York already had it. Uh, Washington? Yeah. Oh, my God. Messi joins. Is that four for you now, Messi? Four. Wow. Wow. She's not messing around. She's not messing around. The score is four, two, (laughs) one, 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 one. With Messi in the lead with four, Cal with two, everyone else with one, as I can recall. So the, the company launched faster delivery in Philadelphia, Phoenix, Orlando, Dallas, and then followed up by extending to Nashville and Washington, D.C. in November. Oh, no. Now now with the latest move, impulse shoppers in Baltimore. So Washington already had it. Sorry, Messi. I, I screwed up reading the article. Now in the latest move, impulse shoppers in Baltimore, Chicago, Detroit, Tampa, and Charlotte, North Carolina, and Houston can join uh, the previously Philly, Phoenix, Orlando, Dallas, Nashville, Washington. Sorry, to, and I thought New York already had it. Since launching same-day delivery, we're continuing to bring customers new levels of convenience and more delivery options to choose from, Amazon said in a blog post published Wednesday. Our move to make same-day delivery even faster is just one example of delivery innovation that gives customers more choice, speed, and convenience when receiving their packages. And... Clearly, the company has been planning to broaden same-day delivery for some time as no operation could spin up an undertaking of this magnitude overnight. Indeed, the offering was made possible through company investments in scores of regional mini-fulfillment centers, you know, on the outside of each of these cities. There it is. It's pretty obvious how this is all going to unfold. And it's not going to be just the stuff you order. And by the way, keep, keep note, and somebody should watch the data, on these six new cities that were added, what happens to retail and little mom and pop shops in a city when Amazon offers same day delivery or heaven forbid, one hour delivery in your city? That's faster than you going out, getting in, lacing up your shoes, getting in the car, driving around and buying it and driving home. You can just have it sent. So what happens to all those small shops? And the, and the same as people become habitual into using that, they start wanting to do the same with food. And when they start doing the same with food, what happens to the restaurants? The restaurants have to do the same and become cloud kitchens on the outside of town in a big warehouse and pay much cheaper 
space and do 20 different, you know, have a huge menu of, you know, a thousand items, even though they pretend that they're 10 different restaurants so that you don't get freaked out by ordering, you know, sushi from a Mexican restaurant. It's the same kitchen, but they pretend like they're separate restaurants in this warehouse on the outside of town. It's a cloud kitchen. So, um, yeah, this is this is the evolution. There, there isn't. I want twenty second delivery with artillery delivered burritos. Yeah, that's, that's the future. <laughs> like the t shirt cannon at the rock concert. Incoming, Incoming burritos. <laughs> that would be a great and uh, Saturday Night Live skit, by the way. Just put some mortars outside the the cloud kitchen. It'll be great. Burrito, just, yeah, burrito bombs. Bomber burritos. Yep. Even Delicious. better, Chris, is if we go inter intercontinental, uh, go ballistic. We can use yes, accretional heat ballistic heat up burritos. burritos on the way down. That's the name of the company. Who wants in? It would actually work pretty well if you've only got like a one kilogram payload. I mean, I, ICBMs. I could see it being a, you know start off as a weapon of war. Now it's deliver flavors. You know, just all all, all the tastiness. The future is bright. Nu- nuclear coffee. Just send that thing over in a atomically warmed by the upper atmosphere. <laughs> Uh, okay. Thank you for that, Chris. So, uh, Amazon's expanding to six new cities. The next headline is, um, somebody named Sarah Saracen's owner, Nigel Ray backs keyless car sharing startup. Um, car share spelled with a K K A R S H A R E. I'm predicting a <laughs> trademark Im- infringement there by whoever has the trademark with the C, by the way. Um, car share with a K has raised 3 million pounds for its peer to peer sharing service of cars. So now you can share cars in your neighborhood, just like people are sharing bikes all around European cities, bike sharing. What about car sharing? It's, it's coming. The issue is why not start sharing everything like your basketball you rarely use in your garage or your weed whacker that you bought your, your spare pair, pair of socks, you know? <laughs> you can't wear all you laugh you... it'll be if someone's gonna do it they're gonna say goodwill was the old way of doing it yeah you know what sucks tyler can't wear all people those in... socks chris why not what yeah. sucks is people aren't people aren't even neighborly enough to where you know you just borrow your neighbors and never give it back what that's an unmonetized opportunity right there that essentially means that there's an opportunity to basically using unproductive assets and basically utilization chris the word you're looking for is optimized utilization there you go utilization i want to hear like this economist talking about like k curves and other crazy things happening now it's it's the future we're living we're going to save the planet by sharing our dirty socks so the next big headline (laughs) is china's wandering elephants may finally be heading home an elephant herd that fascinated locals and people around the world by making a year-long journey, raiding farms, and even a retirement home for food appears finally to be heading home. From the Washington Post. <laughs> TikTok overtakes Facebook as the world's most downloaded app is the headline from Nikkei Japan. Data protection becoming more important as consumers dem- demand policy. And the next headline is about the Afghanistan war. The Taliban has captured three regional capitals. This is getting serious where the the Taliban had taken over the countrysides, had not gone into the inner cities and then stood outside the city gates asking for a meeting with the president um, and which they didn't get a response. And they said, are we going to share this place or what? And they didn't get a response. So now they're taking over the 
um, minor capitals, and eventually they'll take those and then they'll go into Kabul. And that's where the grand standoff will happen because that's the capital of Afghanistan. But a separate headline is that the U.S. is using B-2 bombers now to take out Taliban when they do take over a city like Herat or Kunduz, as they have done, now we can bomb those cities because you've taken them over. And now we can take you out in those cities where you're concentrated and now you're susceptible to being bombed. And so if we, if they go into those cities and they get bombed in those cities, will there be enough of them left to take over Kabul? Because that's really all that matters. If you run Kabul, you run the country. That's the capital. So stay tuned. Um, There's a related story, and I don't remember. You'll have to remind me whether we covered it in the in the health thing earlier, or I heard it somewhere else. But there's a a concern. I think it's from the uh, WHO or something that if uh, they get full control of Afghanistan, that we may get a a polio outbreak because they don't they won't let people into the country to go door to door to do vaccinations, and that you know polio, which has basically been eradicated, could you know reemerge. Do we have the thing on vaccination where the CIA was using it for drawing genet- like blood samples or genetic stuff? And that was one way they've got Osama and they're like, yay, essentially this is a thing. And then the, the vaccination people were going, gosh darn it, that was like some of the last ones we were about to wipe out some of these diseases, but no one trusts us because they are now rightfully saying, oh shit, the CIA sometimes embeds with this stuff. It was like one of those drawback things. Hmm. No. You wouldn't have to send in Americans. I mean, this could be like they won't even allow international people in. You know, it's not they won't let anybody. Okay, next headline here, um, Vinay. You just sent in this one about uh, dr- Chinese drones from Politico. They're cheap. Yeah. So the infrastructure bill has a clause there that says no Chinese drones can be bought in for any infrastructure projects in the U.S. It's been hidden away. So Chinese drones are out of the market in the U.S. Okay. There it is. Pretty simple and sweet on that one. The next one is the U.K. launches a $4 million pound fund, which is about $5 million, to run fiber optic cables through water pipes. Um project that could bring fiber broadband to remote areas while monitoring pipes for water leaks. Okay. Interesting. And then the next one from Mahogany via Wired, the headline reads, the return to the office will only mean more Zooms. What? I thought we were returning to the office so we wouldn't have to Zoom. Oh, contraire. The return to the office will only mean more Zooms. Bosses are convinced that three days a week in the office will make us more collaborative. Data shows otherwise. According to Wired, the data shows we're more collaborative through Zooms regardless of where we happen to be located. And so we're actually more productive at home on Zoom than we are in the office without Zoom. So even if we go to the office, we need to use Zoom to stay productive because it's far more convenient than standing up and going over to the uh, meeting room and blah, blah, blah. So especially if, you know, not everyone's in the office that day. And so it's a very long wired article and data uh, indeed, but it says that... um, that the data uh, is in favor of that remote work or hybrid work is more effective and meetings are more effective through Zoom. It's a big debate. Um, You can read that article. The next one is that the Greece wildfires 
This is from BBC, and the headline reads, quote unquote, it's like a horror movie, but it's real life. Thousands of people have had to evacuate Greece's second largest island as severe uh, wildfires rage on now in like the eighth, ninth day or so. And I just retweeted that out. And, and on that note, there is a video that you really have to see that I'm um, going to retweet out right now. Let me see. Here we go. I'm retweeting it right now. So it's the most recent tweet on the Tech News Twitter account at TNATW, where it shows the boat. It is amazing. Yeah, it's a boat full of these people that are forced evacuated out of their homes. And you can see um, the scale of these fires inside of this boat of, you know, hundreds of people watching their city burn to the ground and all of their homes. You have to see this video to get an understanding of what's going on over there. It does look like something out of a horror movie. Absolutely. It's unimaginably tragic. Just looking at this short video, you go to TNATW on Twitter and just watch this video embedded in the tweet from, we don't have time. Holy cow. What a video. So the next headline is India's first indigenous aircraft carrier called Vikrant on Sunday, successfully completed uh, completed a five-day maiden sea voyage as the performance of the key systems of the 40,000-ton warship was found to be satisfactory, officials say. And that means it's headed to the South China Sea <laughs> to join all of its friends from Germany, Australia, Japan, America, England, um, which are all simultaneously joining up in the South China Sea near Taiwan. I I wonder why what they're up to. Uh, India's aircraft carrier built on the cost of around 23,000 crore. Uh, someone could do the math for us. Set sail on Wednesday for the crucial sea trials ahead of its planned induction into the, in, the Indian Navy by August next year. And Vikrant successfully accomplished its maiden sea voyage. And uh, it's quite a big aircraft carrier indeed. So, next. Hey, hey, yes, Paolo, there's, there's another regional news which may have got missed. That? So a few years ago, Duterte from Philippines had uh, not signed the Visiting Forces Treaty for American Forces because he was trying to tilt towards China, right? And I don't know if you guys noticed on July 30th or if you caught the news, he signed the, he's signed the full treaty with the U.S. now. So U.S. troops can again be stationed in the Philippines. So he's pivoting back away from China. Okay. Big news. Who who was that? Duterte. Philippines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was. It was. There's some countries that are. It's it's undetermined. It's unclear which side they'll take in this growing friction between the U.S. and China. And uh, most countries is quite clear. There's a bunch where it's not totally clear which way they would go. And it seems like uh, Philippines is be- decided to be on. Uh, on the, kind of on the USA side of things, because uh, from what I understand, and I didn't hear what you said there just now, Vinay, but from what I understand, it was driven by the fact that China had parked some military vessels off the coast of the Philippines and that kind of, and they had asked them to move and they didn't. And he realized, you know, f- the future is not looking very fun with China in control of the South China Sea because they've com- China's claiming all of the waters around, you know, Southeast Asia, which is just a, totally absurd. The UN has said, are you out of your goddamn mind? Are you, that's just totally absurd on face value. And they're very adamant about it. 
And so all of the neighboring countries, which is Japan, Vietnam, Philippines, etc., are all unifying to tell China, uh, yeah, your claims of the South China Sea are absurd. And maybe they should change the name. Yeah, changing the name might be a good first step. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but signing that treaty, allowing U.S. troops back on Philippine soil, right. is a big one because now he's actually saying, "Come on over, guys. We need you." Right. right. Yeah. But it was it was basically because China was getting a little too aggressive. They, they're being very aggressive in the region, and the whole region knows it. And that's why the the rest of the world is now sending their aircraft carriers over there to see if China really wants to tango. And I don't think they do. I think they're going to realize, you know what, you guys can uh, uh, have this ocean and and Taiwan. They're going to lose Taiwan out of this, basically, or their claims to it. And in the Olympics, it was Taiwan didn't have their own flag. Even when they won gold medals, they have to show the Olympic flag instead of their own flag and all of this. And so what happens when we go to the Beijing Games? Will the Taiwan even be able to participate? What's going to happen with Taiwan in the Beijing Games? Maybe they will buy a boycott. No doubt, Taiwan doesn't have a choice but to boycott. They, you know, what? Yeah, it's going to be very weird indeed. Anyway, Tyler, yes. um, isn't that interesting that China actually recognizes Afghanistan and the Taliban, but then they really ask other countries not to recognize Taiwan mm -hmm. or other, you know, even it, worse, it, it really even worse, they're even worse. They're recognizing the Myanmar coup. Yeah, exactly. So they they, they they're, they're the they're the only the country they're well. the only country on the planet that recognizes the Myanmar coup as the quote unquote leadership of Myanmar, as they called it. Yeah, they 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 talk about how China's funding and financing of Africa is non-interference. We don't care what you do politically and this and that. Messi, are you are you trying to make the argument that China's being a little unfair here? It's very hypocrisy. Is it? Uh, you, know, you might want to talk with the Dalai Lama and... because he left his home 70 years ago <laughs> and has not returned since. Yeah, you know why they would say no country should recognize all these countries that China doesn't want being recognized, but then they go ahead and they recognize whoever they want. I, I, I think that's being a hypocrite and, and not being fair. Okay. Uh, you know, you have to call it when it is because... Here, you know, on the ground, some a lot of Africans would say, well, the West, you know, they give us conditionality, but China is more fair in their financing. But then you look at it, what they do. So, I mean, fair is fair. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you're you're there in Africa and in, in, in Ethiopia yeah. where they built, they built, I, I mean, Messi, let's be fair. They built you the African Union headquarters there in Adidas Abbas in Ethiopia. <laughs> For free. And everyone can use it for, for absolutely free. for free. I mean, yeah. what what's the problem? I mean, are, are you objecting to the fact that they're using it uh, with microphones and cameras and stealing all the data out of all the computers every night? Is that the problem? <laughs> That's my complaint. Oh, well, it was free. I mean, you know, right. it was free. Right. So anyways, <laughs> the next headline is from Poppy, who's got a bit of a sense of humor. She found the... Uh, article and the headline is China's building the world's largest global DNA database. While many countries take DNA samples during crime investigations, China takes them from the public, including children at school. 
And I just tweeted that out so you can read that one. Big Tech, Florian just sent this one in. Big Tech is suffering from a great resignation of workers who say, um, well, it says a confluence of factors have led the rank and file at big tech companies to leave what were coveted jobs a decade ago for potential riches of um, yeah, p- pandemic burnout. It says oh, uh, a great, the great resignation of the great resignation of workers who say, quote unquote, it's a great time to leave pandemic burnout backlash against tech companies that have grown powerful and the chance to cash in at a suddenly flush startup and young public companies with potential for more growth cited as reasons for leaving. And the first little bit says, a confluence of factors have led the rank and file of big tech companies to leave what were coveted jobs a decade ago for the potential riches of startups and young public companies, with some participants calling it the great resignation. In much the same way that Apple, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and others lured workers from mature and seemingly stayed tech giants like IBM a decade ago, the new generation of upstarts flush with cash from venture capitalists and Wall Street is aiming for their employees. Indeed, all uh, that is a great point to be made that we haven't really made, which is all of this startup funding, and we announced that it's a record year for 2021 already. We already shattered the record of 2020 of about $18 billion. We just passed it in the first six months of 2021. That means we're likely to hit 160 billion double last year. That's unbelievable, unimaginable. We normally grow up or down by single digit percentage. So to grow by 100% in a year is just unfathomable. And what that does mean is all of those startups who get that money, they are going to attract you know, their first target is people at, you know, senior people at the big tech companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon and what have you. And if those companies are no longer growing like they used to, it's hard to contain that level of growth when you're the world's five biggest companies. Going to a startup and working for a percentage of ownership in those companies, that's called equity, that's called stock options in those companies, you get, you know, as an early employee, 1%, 2% of the company if you're real early and real senior and you get 0.1%, 0.2%, you know, if you're l- less senior and less early, um, that can still turn into a billion dollars uh, very quickly. If you, you know, if you're 1% and it becomes a uh, hundred billion dollar company as Stripe did, there you go. You're That's a billion dollars. So um, the, the potential to join, you know, make millions of dollars, not a billion, that's a, th- you know, if you if you're one percent of the company and it becomes worth a hundred million, which they all do within a month, then you're already at a million. If it you know makes it to a one billion valuation, you know you're already you know at the ten million stage. It's like it seems like a smart way to go for a lot of these senior folks to join some of these hotter startups that are getting very well funded at the moment. And there's an unprecedented number of them, and so that is an interesting point that some of the some of the people are going to be leaving due to the amount of amazing amount of VC funding going into startups that is going to have an impact on the bigger tech companies. So is that related also because we've been discussing earlier that, um, you know, you have this, some of the uh, employees trying to unionize themselves too. towards tech companies. Too. That's one side probably because again, you have more options. You can move earlier. The pressure for the companies to keep people probably is, is changing. And that also changes maybe 
salary packages and uh, you know anything around that on one side and the other side also I've earlier also retweeted something where they predict that the peak is over now as the pandemic is going let's say is easing up things and companies or countries are recovering also Cal had a nice article on that on, on the race to to recover but the question is now what is the bet here is it still going <clears throat> is, is is the attraction and the investment in the digitalization still keeping beyond a potential downturn of the pandemic itself or do you think it will increase you know that's it the strength of an individual worker as a service giver to the uh, tech I, companies i'll tell you one one um, other thing the the kind of to your point the just the fact that they're getting you know um cracked down on by washington dc with these five bills and this kind of tonality of the big tech companies are too powerful and blah 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 people a lot of people work at the big tech not all i have obviously a lots of friends that work at the big tech companies we have michelle on stage who works at the big works at facebook the and i would love her comment on this which is for some people they uh ident they become the huge part of their identity that they work at google because Google's this great company and it's changing the world and it's powerful and, and they identified that. As soon as as former Microsoft employees can say when Microsoft started getting cracked down on and they were the big company and then at some point they weren't and they were the antitrust stuff started cracking down on Microsoft. It just changes your own feeling about your own identity of working at this company and it adds a new negativity to it that you previously didn't have and it kind of weighs on some people. They want to work at a company where everyone says, oh, wow, when you say where you work at. And that you, Google used to be that way. When you used to say, I work at Google or Facebook or Apple, people, your friends and colleagues at lunch or at breakfast on Sunday would be, oh, wow, you work at Google, you work at Facebook, you work at Amazon. And if they don't say that anymore, and now when you're at Sunday brunch and you meet somebody and you say, oh, yeah, I work at Google or Amazon, and they say, oh, I hear you're getting sued, it just changes your excitement about working at that company. So that that does play a factor. I've seen it in my own personal friends. On the Tyler, net promoter score, basically. Kind of. It's kind of. It's it's not net promoter score because that's a, a scoring. Yeah, I mean, it's employees and how they feel about their own company and, and the value for some people, you work at a company for money. You get paid a salary. That's why you're working there. For And then for some people, there's an, an, another factor, which is the impressing people you meet at, in line at Starbucks who, who say, oh, where do you work? And you say, oh, I work at Company X. And there's this oh, wow factor. Well, that oh, wow factor it's used to be real for people who worked at Facebook, Google, Amazon, Google, whatever, and that's no longer true. Now it's the opposite. Now you're in line at Starbucks, and some the person next to you in line for the bathroom says, "Oh, where do you work?" And you're like, "You're no longer." When you say you work at Google or Amazon, and the person says, "Oh, that's great. I hear you're being sued, and you're a monopoly, and you're doing this evil shit." Now you're like, mm, "You know what? I don't get this thing I used to get that used to be very valuable to me, which was impressing people that I worked at this company. And now it's no longer. Not only is it not impressive, it's people are saying, you know." negative things about this company that I, that I used to be so fond of. So this thing that used to be of actual value to me of impressing people. You mean the ego booster? Huh? Ego booster. You, like an e ego yes. booster? Well, it's an ego issue. Exactly. It's an ego issue. There's a sociological side of things as well, which is, um, you know, people at the last two years, you know, people have gotten used to working remote and that work-life balance has significantly shifted now. 
And you'll see a lot of these startups now really wanting to offer a much healthier work-life balance and more controllability. So there's other factors involved, right? Sure. It's, it, it, and then as a, you know, as a startup, you're, you're, you're hiring for the best talent and, you know, you're hiring for the people that have the established processes so that they can help you really learn, you know, how to, how to take your company from concept into, you know, commercialization. Well, I'll so, give you another one. It, you know, I, I, I am optimistic enough. I'm crazy enough to think that also the, with the planet and these fires and the, uh, Oh yeah. We, we want to, we, you, you're, you're finding people that want to make an impact. Like, you know, well, like I, I, it's uh, more um, than ever. I, I think there's the concept of, I want to make an impact. You know, the planet is in peril and I want to help it. And now it's like with actual, your relatives fleeing their own homes and California's out of water. And this, you know, when shit really starts hitting the fan, you're going to see the smart folks who Google and all, Apple and Facebook and you know, Amazon. They, it's all it's it's all linked to survival, though, right? This like is my, my point. personal story is my personal story is I jumped in to help during the crisis, and we discovered something that's highly commercialable, um, is scalable into like you know low 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 income middle income environments because it's a piece of plastic that's a ventilator. And, you know, the people that are with me, my, my team, they, they are the right stuff. You know, they all jumped in for the same reasons. We've met, you know, I've, I've barely met two or three of them because we've met at a business conference or something, but you know, they're all in because we're sick of the way things used to be. You know, we want to be part of that change. And in this process, someone's shown us what a cap table is to be quite frank. And, you know, that's, that's our golden handcuffs. Now we're going to finish that mission we're going to try to meet, you know, the goals to hit what's on the cap table. And that's going to change our life forever. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that it, the, the concept of the planet in peril is very different from you having to flee your own home. And so when it becomes very personal and existential to yourself and you or your family, it's a, it's a total utter game changer, just like the people in Texas and Florida who are now getting COVID, who are making videos, begging their who were very anti-vax and they're now on their deathbeds in the icus and they're i don't have you guys been watching these i'm seeing these all the time now yeah it's tragic they are tragic it's, it, it's, and they're it, it like they 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 beg for the vaccine as they're getting intubated intubation folks and i know i'm making ventilators you don't want to use my products ever um it's the worst thing that someone a human being can experience you know my grandfather personally asked for a dnr instead of being intubated and they just let them go. And, you know, they're asking at that moment, please give me a vaccine. And the doctors have to tell them this doesn't work like this, you know, and that's when the light bulb turns on and they realize. Well, this is my point is been. when when your hometown runs out of water or goes up in fire, then you realize, ah, I should probably stop working on this ad network and start doing something around lowering the carbon in the atmosphere. So. This this is my point. As it becomes, it's going to get to the point where it becomes personal for people. It's not yet personal. It's still theoretical for 99.9% of people. And as it becomes more personal, you're going to see people jump in to um, try and fix uh, the boat from sinking. So, um, morning. Yes, Tyler. Simon. Hi, it's Simon from, from South Africa. sunny South Africa at the moment.
Um, no, I mean, two things. First of all, that issue about, you know, when, when, when fire doesn't mean anything to you until, unless it happens in the Southern Cape about three years ago, we had these awful fires. Um, and all of a sudden people started taking notice of the fact that, you know, the, that what we were doing to the environment. The other thing I was just going to say was that um, when you were talking about, you know, you used, you used to be cool to work at Facebook. I mean, I'm one of those people who remembered you used to really be impressed if you met someone who worked at IBM. Uh, now, oh, you work at IBM. It's one of those things. Oh, you know, poor you kind of. Yeah, uh, kind Microsoft of as well. So, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and is, you guys had a huge water uh, uh, drought two, three years ago. Is Did that wake people up to the importance of? Uh, yeah, no, no, that was Cape Town. That was what we were calling day zero. Um, which was basically people were, were literally were pa- banking on the fact that Cape Town would run out of water. Uh, and that made a huge, um, a very kind of conscience-growing uh, environment. I mean, my daughter was in Cape Town then, my younger daughter who was at university then. And, and you know, to have to queue with, you know, uh, plastic containers of water to get your, you know, your, your, your ration was was a major thing but we still have we still have we still have uh, towns i mean on the we have um uh the the it's a major used to be called port elizabeth, port elizabeth it's now called Geberga. but i mean that is now having a water shortage you know uh we've got others in the and and essentially because we are a and people have not spent um a lot of time um or a lot of effort making sure that there's enough water, you know, they, they were just working on the basis that, that, you know, there would always be enough. And I mean, I suppose like the Californians and what, and what we're discovering now all of a sudden is that climate change is giving us a big smack up the backside. Yeah. And that's half a million people in Cape Town. So you got um, the next headline here is from Renjinth that uh, Sweden now has a 10 minute uh, delivery company called Cavell, which just raised about $6 million. And so adding Stockholm to the 10, literally 10 minute, it says Caval, the first company in Swedish market to offer the ever prevalent groceries to your door in under 10 minutes has raised $6 million. 10 minutes. Why go out of the house? You can order from your toilet and walk straight to your door to receive it. So anyway, the next big headline is uh, from Faraz, it says Maple Grove project shows how suburban transit stations are morphing into um, Uber, Lyft, and taxi hubs. So they're converting bus stops into Uber, Lyft, and taxi stops. So that it kind of makes sense. Uh, we did this kind of in LA around LAX to some degree. Um, but you'd have these predefined areas where that the ta- Ubers and Lyfts and taxis will coordinate around bus stops. It actually makes a lot of sense. I'm surprised it took this long. The next one from Mahogany is from the Smithsonian. It says a new project aims to create the most detailed 3D map of the universe. An instrument named DESI, D-E-S-I, will chart up to 50 million galaxies, 10 times more than any previous survey, and in 3D, which now makes me realize that the VR map of the universe would be truly kind of mind-blowing <clears throat> to kind of swim through the universe in, uh, let alone the Milky Way, in VR, to see the universe in VR. That would be truly wild. Anyway, likely to come in our lifetime uh, indeed. 
The next one, this is super wild. I'm just tweeting this out now. <clears throat> you kind of have to see it. <clears throat> it's about real-time deep fake streaming with an app called Deep Face Live. So deep fakes, <laughs> if you combine deep fakes and FaceTime, you get deep face, deep face live. And the company is called Unite.ai, the world's most used deep fake software. And the one most strongly associated with deep fake porn is getting a new implementation, the ability to do live streaming while deep faking. So you can do a live stream and look like yourself, but more beautiful. And those are the really interesting examples that they show in this app, where they show a guy who's live streaming, who converts himself into what looks like an incredibly attractive model-like female face. Uh, oh, Margot Robbie is who he... He's deepfaking Margot Robbie, but with his own hair. So it was Margot Robbie's face on his face. And it looks incredibly real. You, you'd be hard to tell if it wasn't real. And then they use the Margot Robbie transformation videos on lots of other people where it makes them look like themselves, but more beautiful, essentially. And it's a really wild concept. But eventually... This is going to... This is this has got huge applications in that whole personalized, um, you know, when we're talking about fans and stuff, like if Taylor Swift could do a personalized video saying, hey, happy birthday to so-and-so. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, in a more rich live conversation. There's a YouTube video as well that I will is Im embedded in this. And I will uh, now tweet out the... Um, the YouTube video where he makes himself into Arnold Schwarzenegger while he's live streaming, like as a YouTube host and Margot Robbie and others. It's really mind blowing and indeed has big implications. And I think anyone can use this app. So um, next big headline at the moment is the original interactive VR film called the final wish shortlisted for an award for the 78th Venice International Film Festival, and the Venice Film Festival is one of the best film festivals globally, and now uh, a VR film is shortlisted um, as a winner of the um, Venice Film Festival. So VR go getting uptick you know, into film, and eventually will likely take it over. The Wired podcast, which is Wired magazine and blog, has a podcast where they dive deep into the collapse of Amazon's drone delivery team in the UK, which we referred about earlier. I'm earmarking this one because I really want to hear what's really going on with that drone delivery team in the UK. And then the next headline is these incredible floods in North Korea, similar to what happened in Germany and uh, um, Central Europe a few weeks ago, is now hitting thousands are evacuated from North Korean floods. The state broadcaster says some regions have seen over 20 inches of rain in three days, 50 centimeters of rain in three days. And the, show, the floods show the homes up to their roofs. They're, they're flooded. Because of typhoon, I think. Perhaps. There's a typhoon. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the typhoon feeds um, into kind of floodplains. And anyway. You can see, I've never seen a house flooded up to the roof before. But you will if you look at the Twitter account. 
And then here's a here's a super important one from The Guardian from Poppy. Why Instagram's creatives are angry about its move to video. I can tell you why without even reading the article, because Instagram influencers spent the past decades getting followers based on pointless images of them looking beautiful based on photo editing. And they tweak the shit out of their photos and use third party apps to wildly edit their Instagram photos to make things look fabulous and fantastic. And that doesn't really apply to video. So now that Instagram's going over to video and e-commerce video and live streaming shopping, because that's where the money is. Again, that's where the billions and billions of their, and that's where their future is unquestionably. And the Instagram influencers are realizing being uh, a beautiful young 26 year old taking fabulous photos is indeed worthless when it comes to doing live streaming e-commerce. And so their favorite app is dying and reimagining itself like a butterfly from a caterpillar. And they're not going to be part of that new genesis uh, of that new of Instagram's eventual uh, butterfly transition as a e-commerce live streaming app. And so how am I going to show the world you know, that I'm this beautiful young Instagram influencer. What's going to happen to my life of my value of myself at what my millions of followers, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to lose them to people who are really good at selling stuff um, on Instagram and they're going to make lots of money. So anyway, that's just, I predicted this was coming, which is basically the skills that, Instagram, the, the most popular people on Instagram have a particular skill, which is not very useful in the future of Instagram as a platform. And so that's why they're freaking out. And let's let's see if we can find a good quote. Here's a quote. I can see why everyone's starting to panic about their accounts because you're going from hitting 500 likes on a photo back down to 100. I know lots of photographers have taken breaks from using Instagram because they start thinking maybe their photos aren't good enough is one quote. Here's uh, yeah, the, this, this story I just tweeted out just talks about um, uh, someone named Moseri started his announcement video by claiming that Instagram wants to empower creators to make a living on the site. Yeah, you and I know what that means. It's e-commerce. E but both Biting and Wapplington have seen sales suffer. Perhaps the highlights the difference between creators and creatives. In April, writer and Washington University media professor Ian Bogost argued that the creator is someone whose work is wholly circumscribed by the platform, while creators makes content that can only exist within a certain app. Many creatives simply put their offline art online. To put it another way, Instagram's creators can only exist on Instagram. Instagram's creatives can go anywhere. Okay, so we're now, yeah. Yep. I'm curious. I um I had tweeted something. I, maybe I did it too early, like 24 hours ago. I thought you would have picked up on this already. So I, I want to make sure you yeah, get to it. it. I, I, it it's in dollar value. It's pretty big, at least in the United States. Uh, Charter Communications, which is the second largest cable company in the U.S., is being sued by all the music companies for $400 million because um, they're claiming that, um, you know, they, 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 they allowed uh, – 
you know, the, the, their users, the people who subscribe to Charter Internet Service to uh, upload and download copyrighted stuff, you know, for, for mostly music to things like YouTube. And Cox Communications, which is also another large cable company out here, happens to be mine, they've already had to, they've been ordered to pay uh, the music companies $1 billion, okay? And I'm, like, sitting there saying, like, they really can't control this. I don't know what they want them to right. do. And I tweeted that like 24 hours. To, so I, I know you. it's somewhere in your stuff, okay? So I just thought it was like a big dollar number. And I know you, you know you know a lot about music copyrights and stuff. So I thought that would interest you. Yeah, it's the, by the way, who, I know who's suing them, but let's unpack who's suing them exactly. Universal, Sony, you know, all the big yeah, ones. There's three, Universal, Sony, and... Um, uh, Warner EMI. So, well, Sony is yeah, yeah. Well, the Warner they merged. So Warner, EMI, Sony, and Universal. So you've got the big labels you, you, who you know are working together, and they're also trying to force Twitter to license their content. They have they have all they convinced they tricked all of their artists into signing con, uh, contracts that gave them all of the streaming rights, digital distribution rights, it's called distributing your music digitally. And so because they have all of the rights of all of the artists, they have all the catalogs and they have the rights to do any digital distribution of that content. And so originally, you know, Spotify wanted to, to do that and they got Spotify paid the licenses and, you know, they did a deal and then they went after, you know, uh, YouTube, of course, because YouTube's doing that. Okay, great. And now who else can we shake down? And they're asking Twitter. And Twitter's like, no, we don't actually host any of the content. We just provide a link to other people who are hosting your content. But we ourselves don't host any of the content. So when people put in a link to a YouTube video, they're not allowed to upload a song directly. They can link to somewhere else that's hold, hosting the song. And so we're not hosting anything. We're not, you know. So we're, we're, but the cable companies, as you know, are no, not hosting it. Either. I'm getting into that. They're just like a the cable company also is not hosting any content, but they're enabling. And this is where the labels are saying uh, we we have a contract right here that says we have the right to distribute music. And you as a cable are you're distributing our content in the forms of ones and zeros between the website and the user. And we have that we have that exclusive right to distribute that content digitally even though the real the real infringer is the cable subscriber of course the user requesting that content and they're getting it and the labels are going to try and hold the cable company's feet to the fire by saying you're digitally distributing that content to that user illegally and you're going to have to stop doing that or you're going to have to pay us for our rights and then it goes to court and well, Cox already lost a, of course, a billion dollars. I got you. Because they're distri- they're digitally distributing the content. And the labels have the exclusive right to do that. So what would you do if you ran a cable You're, company? Well, how do they stop this? You know? um, you'd have to... Identity verification. Identity verification would be one. And then... Anything that has a .mp3 or .mp4 or .mov, you'd have to um, blacklist um, and all known file types, similar to what YouTube does as well. When you try to upload a file, it has a fingerprint, an audio fingerprint. They'll have to start doing fingerprinting of 
uh, they're gonna have to tell the labels, okay, give us the fingerprints of all of the content that you claim is yours. YouTube did this as knows this as well. So when you try to upload a song that you don't own the rights to and someone else does, they say, Oh, you don't own those rights. So they should basically Shazam your entire matter of fact, if I play ground control to major Tom, the sound file, you know, in this room, I'll do two seconds of it and let's see if I get flagged this time. There, I played the one guitar strum of the beginning of, you know, David Bowie's um, Space Odyssey Major Tom. Or the X-Files theme, if I play those sound clips, YouTube says, oh, you live streamed a video and in your live stream, somewhere in the middle of a four-hour live stream, there's three seconds of you playing the X-Files theme. Uh, we have a contact, contact uh, 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 takedown notice of content infringement because um, they have all of those fingerprints. Uh, of all of the all of that intellectual property and the, the the cable companies could make it part of their settlement to say ah give us all of your fingerprints of all of your content that you own and we'll scan all of our anytime a user tries to download a file we're going to take a little listen to that file first or the fingerprint of that file so that we know that's a infringing file and not allow them to download it there's technical ways to do it it would be very cumbersome uh, i'll give you that um, but in the face of paying a billion dollars, I imagine they might be uh, inclined to. No, but the, 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 the amazing thing is most people, yeah. okay, who download this stuff and then upload it. And, but it, I mean, it goes to various places. A lot of people put it on YouTube. Yep. And what YouTube's actually done, as you know, they've kind of cut a deal with a lot of the copyright yep. holders. And, who's, and rather than take it down for infringement. You know, they give everybody, they, they, they give them a little they cut. Mon- you know, yes, they, they become the monetizer monetize- of the video, yes. So I'm, sur- I'm, sur- I'm surprised that that isn't more widespread that they're, you know, that like, you know, rather than, you know, you know pay- paying all this money. I, I guess they're saying some people are probably putting this stuff up on Facebook and Twitter and Facebook and Twitter are not doing what YouTube is doing in, in getting people paid, I'm guessing, or something. Right. But they're not, nor are they hosting the content. They're not distributing the content. Um, the it's a different issue. Um, so anyway, it, it, they're the the cable companies are likely to lose, and so they're going to have to. They, pre- they already I know. Lost. Well, Cox, Cox did, yeah, lost. but um, the the other major cable company and all the cable companies need to pay close attention because now there's a precedence, and they're in the same scenario. So that court case is you know stacked against them. So. They either have to build a technical solution to stop their users from downloading copyrighted content for free or um, or pay the pay pay the piper, which in this case is the labels, not the artists. Or, or they could turn some of their own customers, and make an example of them, that like, too. like the music. Yeah, they could punish you 20 yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then people stop yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true, too. Uh, open, uh, yeah, the big open letter to Apple. We covered that one. And then there's a bunch more that we haven't read, like this one. Um, in the wild world of tech hiring in India, engineer is now king. I told you this was coming. I told you this. This is the headline. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic-led internet and technology boom has led to an accelerated shift to digital. And now engineers in India are now the top of the pecking order pyramid because all of these tech global companies are now global oh what do you know in india there's engineers in india who would have guessed how much do they want to work oh shit they're willing to work for one tenth of what we're paying people in california 
yes, please. We would like to meet every PhD computer science engineer in India, please. Immediately. They will all get hired instantly. All any good tech talent globally is going to get hired in the next year. Period. So, uh, and that's going to drive down the value, the, the salary base for the American tech talent. It, this is simple stuff. This is really simple economics. So the folks begging to work remotely, even though, you know, the companies were saying, no, let's go back to the office. And the employees were like, no, no, we want to be able to work from anywhere, anytime, essentially are shooting themselves in the foot with regard to their salary. They can themselves, of course, now that they can work anywhere, they're going to have to work anywhere. They're going to have to relocate to places where it costs a quarter of what it costs to live in California. And they are some, many of them are starting well, to do that. Or out of the country, like you taught us that life. You act. save thirty-five thousand ish dollars a year instantly by living outside of the U.S. just on ta an instant tax discount on your. So yeah, but now now it'll become more like the salary that they're willing to pay isn't um, isn't suitable for living in California. So you're going to see a mass exodus of people, and we read a headline, did we not, of people. Um, you know, leaving the big tech companies, you can work at startups and work in California because they don't yet really have the skills to hire internationally in the same kind of way they do. It's not, they're only a year behind the big tech companies and being able to deploy people, you know, the, the, the legalities and of, of doing all of that, you know, the big tech companies have that the smaller tech companies will about a year from now, once all of the startups that are enabling that are getting funded now to, do HR globally to do compliance with hiring international teams. That's all happening now really fast. Hey, Tyler, can I, I ask you an academic? I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. I was just going to add uh, before, sorry to interrupt, but if you read that article, uh, there's a guy called uh, Bhavish Agarwal, who's the CEO of Ola. Ola is like an Uber uh, local company and he actually tweeted some time ago saying and he's got a lot of stick on social media on it saying i'm really struggling to find high quality engineering talent in india there's such competition maybe i need to outsource or offshore to low-cost destinations like san francisco <laughs> <laughs> right? so, and he took a lot of shit no, for it on twitter he, he knows how to he knows how to get uh, good pr that's or, that's masterful or PR. moldova right Vinay? <laughs> Sorry, or Moldova, Moldova, right? Moldova, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're all moving to Moldova in the end, yeah. By the way, hey, so by, Tyler, the, way, by the way, Tyler, Moldova has a subway franchisee who hasn't opened yet. So hey, you, there's opportunity. You looked into that, did you? I looked into it. I needed to make sure you. <laughs> oh my God, um, DJ by the way, it, I've been to Moldova. I, I, I'm still years later shocked how cheap it was. It's literally one of the cheapest cities on the planet. I mean, a cup of coffee, you go to a cafe, you're talking like 10 cents to get a, you know, a coffee in a cafe. And it just, it blew my mind. I just could not believe how a hotel, it's the only place in the world where when I arrived and the taxi driver gave me a quote to go to the hotel, it was like five kilometers away. It was like 50 cents to take a taxi five kilometers. And you know, your first instinct is to negotiate with the taxi driver, you know, in foreign countries like that in that part of the world in Eastern Europe. And I was like, wait a minute, that's 50 cents. Never mind. OK, I'm not going to negotiate for the ride. Just, you know, 50 cents to go five kilometers from a taxi, non Uber. You know, it's it's just on un... no, ex no extradition. No. Oh, no extradition. Hello. 
Hello. <laughs> anyway. Hey, so and it's Tyler, a tax haven. It's a tax haven. Ta- sorry, Chris. Sorry. Tyler in the room, um, an academic discussion here, if you don't mind. Startup versus established company. We know the upside's much higher on a startup, but in an inflationary environment, say cost of living skyrockets in California, do you think a startup is toast versus a more, you know, established company? Or do you think the established company pulls its layoff routine or like, what do you think happens here? Uh, Give it to me again as cost of what goes up. Basically, you know, like things are getting really expensive. Oh yeah, the inflation. A big company may be able to bear you know, cost of living increases more than a startup, right? So do you think startups have any any kind of gun in this fight if this happens? I think startups are likely to be much more decentralized now that they're allowed to and play the same game that the big companies are doing, hiring everywhere. And um, I mean, this, this looking at, it's like Scandinavia is not cheap to live in either and build teams there. And then they, you know, they are, they tend to go more international more quickly. Um, Norway, most of all, is like the most expensive place on the planet to build a startup. And look, let's see what the Norwegians are doing. That might give an indication. It's like $30 for a salad there. So, hey, Chris, Chris. come here. You should come here in Nevada. I mean, 70% of the homes that we're selling here now are the Californians. We have no income tax. And and the cost of housing here is a fraction of you know your of california you're gonna have that you're gonna have mayors you're having it in florida uh suarez already is like hey what are you crazy people doing over there in california we've got no income tax over here get on over here and it's this huge drive to try and make miami you know an alternative tech city and it's to some extent working you're gonna see other mayors start to copy his success in doing that and a lot of my wall street friends from the northeast have moved down to florida because of COVID and because of taxes, because, you know, quite frankly, uh, South Florida used to have kind of a stigma in the investment community as being kind of like shifty. You know, you know if this company was in like Boca Raton, it was always suspe- suspect, but not anymore. Yeah, and Chris, to add to your question, startup or this, uh, I think uh, with the money that's chasing startups now, the VC funding available, I was talking to a VC friend last night uh, on Sunday, and he told me that a lot of the money being raised by startups is for talent and to make sure uh, with the stock options, et cetera, I think in the short run, talent's going to go more to startups than established companies. Okay. Next headlines here, one from Poppy, Apple's stunning plan to strike Facebook with brilliant new iPhone features. Apple has a stunning plan to strike data-hungry Facebook with brilliant new iPhone features. I think I know what you're writing about, Forbes, and you're about, I don't know, six weeks behind on this one. We've been covering, we've moved way beyond this story, but now your cousins and coworkers are reading it in uh, Forbes where it says Apple is about to strike Facebook with a major blow that will hit the data-hungry social network's revenues and could force it to change its ways. Oh, Kate. Kate O'Flaherty. This is old, old news, Kate. Um, That's because in September this year, Apple will launch iOS 15 update, bringing with it multiple new iPhone features. Among Among these are privacy reports, which will show you how often apps access your iPhone's camera and contacts as well as highlighting which third-party domains are you are contacting and when and 
in iOS 15, Apple is also introducing features that will help it put a stop to email tracking on your iPhone. The iPhone maker is also enhancing its Safari browser with privacy controls, such as its iCloud and private relay. It comes after Apple introduces app tracking transparency in iOS 14.5. At the end of April, the new iPhone feature hurts the likes of Facebook making tracking across apps and websites opt-in only. Yes, we know. We're geeks. This is old news for us. This is for, this is for my cousins to read. Thank you. Uh, Next week, she's going to be talking about social commerce. Social commerce. I and I think 15-minute deliveries. Have you been hearing about this? You, no. no. Well, we'll be hearing about it next week in Forbes. Um, China punishes dozens of officials as Delta outbreaks spread. China has punished a slew of officials for failing to curb COVID-19 outbreak that spawned nearly 900 symptomatic infections across the country in less than three weeks. Amazon to mandate for all its workers in its warehouses starting today. Amazon will, will require all of its 900,000 U.S. warehouse workers, otherwise known as industrial athletes, to wear masks indoors, regardless of their vaccination status. And these are the three, oh, sorry, these are the hot, 100 hottest startups in Europe, according to Wired, which generally has a good sense of these things. I just retweeted this out so you can see the hottest 100 European startups. They have them broken down by countries where they name London, then Amsterdam, then Stockholm, Barcelona, Dublin, Tel Aviv, Helsinki, I don't, Tel Aviv is being included in Europe for some reason. Berlin, Paris, and Lisbon are coming soon. And then you can, they segment them by country. So naturally I'm clicking on Stockholm where they now list um, uh, Volta, anyone, Grace Health, Curb, Offscript, Sauna Labs, who we had in here, by the way, um, we, which is the AI-based edtech company. And I, you'll remember Joel Hellermark probably. Uh, and David, I'm, Dave, I think you do, right? We had, you had a chat with Joel here in the room. Yeah, exactly. And so he and nine other startups are being listed as the hottest startups in Europe, according to Wired. So there you go. And then the next article is that Tesla quietly delays the Cybertruck to 2022, which is really sad news because uh, I've got a pre-order on the Cybertruck myself. Tesla has quietly pushed back the Cybertruck release to 2022 as its electric pickup suffers production challenges. Probably some kind of chip shortage going on somewhere. And then this one from the BBC, Climate Change, new report will highlight stark reality of warming. The IPCC's short scientific summary due out on Monday, that's today, will be the strongest statement yet on climate change. And then here's a crazy one that I found uh, yesterday uh, from foreignpolicy.com. That says and shows um, the quote, the headline says, I just tweeted it out right now. You can see it. The quote is the headline. The headline reads, we fell off the face of the earth. Opposition politicians are disappearing into Turkey's massive new prison system. To call it a prison system is quite uh, an understatement. This is bigger than it. Pardon my Turkish, but this is a, con a massive concentration camp. The likes of Auschwitz looks very similar to the Uyghur camps in, in East Turkmenistan. 
and or Turkestan, as they call it. And it says a construction. There's a huge drone or aerial photograph of these huge Turkish. They're calling them prisons. Um, but holy cow. And now their opposition leadership is disappearing into these camps. And they have a map of the country where they're building all the camps. They have an overview of the camps themselves with scale. So you can, it's wild. You got to see this article. So Erdogan's doing uh, what tough guys usually do and uh, disappearing his competition. You can see that one there. And then it's not tough guy. It is called weak guy. Okay. So the next one is Internet Censorship 2021, a global map of Internet restrictions. And it shows a global map of where countries are the most and least restricted. Turns out Mongolia, surrounded by, <laughs> you got to see the map. The worst countries for Internet censorship are uh, North Korea and China, scoring an impressive 11 out of 11 possible. Uh, no map on online censorship would be complete without these two at the top of the list. There isn't anything either of them doesn't heavily censor thanks to their iron grip over the entire Internet. Users are unable to use Western social media, watch porn or use torrents or VPNs and um, and have backdoors and all their apps, according to the report. Um, so you can read all about that. I just tweeted that out. The next uh, hot headlines we've got. My apologies to everybody because we've got uh, tons of them. There's one here from the LA Times. Climate change has reached an unprecedented and dangerous level, says the UN report. And where there's people, yeah, it's getting wild. And then someone in the audience sent this one in, how smart data management will allow uh, biopharma to embrace the digital twin. So we're going to have just a bizarre, massive improvements in, in biopharma, uh, drugs for everything is going to happen in the next few years, vaccines for everything, um, potential cures for cancer are easily um, are you know being predicted. Um, Amazon India allows picking up of online orders from more retail outlets, so you don't even have to wait for your delivery. You can go pick it up much more quickly. Um, AI bias is prevalent but preventable, and here's how to root it out is the headline from VentureBeat. Just tweeting that one out. And climate scientists reach unequivocal consensus on human-made um, catastrophe. The UN-backed Environmental Panel on Climate Change nearly a decade sees no end to the rising temperatures, and there's crazy photos with that one. And the IPCC report is now live on YouTube right now. Just started, started, and I just tweeted that out so you can watch, as I'm about to do, the IPCC tragic report that the last five headlines were all about, and the BBC and everyone's reporting this. So I'm, we're going to end, it's live, I'm, yeah, I've got it, it's live now on YouTube, I just tweeted out the link, we can all watch it together. Dan, Dan's got a room open Dan's on got a room open on it right now. And so you can go over there. You can watch it live on YouTube from the tweet I just tweeted out. And we'll pause now and we'll join here again in five and a half hours as we normally do for the next version. And thank you, everybody, for another fun version of Tech News Around the World. We'll see you in five and a half hours. Thank yep. you. Thanks, Tyler. Thank yep. you. Very informative. Thanks, All right, guys. Do, 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 do. See you Bye -bye. later. Bye. See you soon.